What's going on, everyone? And welcome to Casual Conversation with Will and Gary. Before we start this episode, I would like to apologize for our lengthy hiatus that we've taken since our last episode. Uh, there were a few things that culminated into how long our our absence was, but those have all been resolved. You know, Gary moved up to Springfield, but he's got everything squared away up there. He finally got a computer, got it, all that squared away. Um, and I just want to say, I went on vacation, stuff like that, but I just want to apologize to everyone because me and Gary have said on here a lot how you need to be consistent and have things in your life that you do all the time uh, without um, without fail, you know. Uh, consistency is key for most things that we do in our life, and we've said that a lot. And uh, I just want to apologize because I haven't done that. Um, we had an episode, this episode actually, with our our good our good pal, Coach Glover, Ty Glover, uh, mine and Gary's coach from high school. And I've had it for a long time. We recorded it, shoo, I don't even know, probably over a month ago, and I just haven't uploaded it yet because I've been procrastinating and being lazy, but. Uh, I just wanted to apologize for everyone, to everyone for that um, and just let you know that uh, I think we have a, a a plan set up to where me and Gary are going to start recording again uh, weekly as we always did. So I hope that's the case. I hope that we, we can get it going like we did and for you guys and for us too because we really enjoy it. But anyway, with all that being said, uh, let's hop into this episode with Coach Glover. We talk about memories we've had growing up with him you know he was our high school coach he was a great mentor for us and just an all-around good guy so honestly don't remember what we talked about so uh, uh i'm gonna go listen to it again with you guys so as always i hope you enjoy the show Come on. <laughs> All right. So uh, here we go. Bada bing, bada boom. Episode number, what What episode is this? 36, I think. Episode number 36 of the Casual Conversation Podcast with Will and Gary. Oh, yeah, baby. And this is a this is a end of a chapter right here, son. For sure. This is our this, last one. Well, not our last one not ever. Not our but. last one, but our last one with a guest for a while, because I'm, I'm uh, moving to Skipping the great town, beyond. Huh? Yeah, moving to the great <laughs> beyond. No, we got a special guest on today, somebody that I've had a, a love-hate relationship with for a long time, uh, uh, Mr. Ty Glover. So introduce yourself, Ty. What's up, guys? Uh, yeah, love-hate relationship went both ways with Gary, <laughs> <laughs> just so everybody knows. <laughs> no, so uh, tell us about like, uh, where you're from. Uh, just a little bit about you, like what you do. All right. So I'm from Damascus, Arkansas, born and raised there. Uh, went to school at Southside B Branch my whole life. Graduated from there in 2002. Went to college, uh, finished at Southern Arkansas University. Uh, played for Allen Gun when I was at Southern Arkansas. And then got in the coaching world. I coached for two years at Lafayette County. Then I spent six years at Southside B Branch at my Ooh. old alma, alma mater. Go on and We were four of those. And then I spent three years as the head baseball coach at Greenbrier. And How many years, you say? Three. Three years. So okay. three years there. And then I just changed careers, and now I'm an insurance agent for Farm Bureau. 
Woo, woo. And how long have you been doing insurance? Uh, Solid three months. Solid three months. <laughs> there you go. He's a new. He's <laughs> a new I'm, I'm new at it. <laughs> um, okay, that's awesome. So the way that we kind of kick everything off uh, with the podcast, we just kind of talk about how our weeks went, and then we just kind of dive into uh, you and why we brought you on the podcast. So anyways, Will, what did you get into this week? Man, this week, uh, it's a special week. For those of you who don't know, you might know. Shark Week, baby. Oh, That's all yeah. I've been doing. <laughs> that <laughs> so fits watching, perfect. Is watching Shark Week, son. Which I'm kind of disappointed though, because the shows they've had on, they have new new episodes and stuff every night. They're kind of weak, dude. Dude, me and Paxton kinda watched weak. the opener uh, on Sunday. He Was came it weak? over, on, dude. This guy had like it was the nastiest hair I've ever seen in my life. Like, what, what they, was it? Dreads? Like you, I. It just kind of looked like a sponge, honestly. Like he was blonde, and like it hadn't been washed in at least a year or two. No, nah, dude. Like they had. And he, to... he couldn't even understand what he said because he's short <laughs> like this. <laughs> he's out there researching sharks, and you can't understand him. No, nah, dude. I was watching it, and uh, you know, I was so excited to watch all the new episodes and stuff. And they had an original Shark Week movie, and it was like the cheesiest shark movie I've ever seen. It was like, it was so lame. You I know? watched that because like, you knew what was going to happen the whole time. <laughs> I didn't watch any of that this week, but it's some of that gets so out of hand. Like they took it and they've morphed it into something now that is just Sharknado. Out of hand. You yeah, know what I'm Sharknado. <laughs> but oh no, other than that, um, no, I had to work a lot this week. So. You just been watching Shark Week and working. Yeah, that's about it. I didn't even do anything on the weekend either. I don't think. Yeah, so I went to am, a fish fry. That was it. I'm unemployed. Woo-hoo-hoo. As of Monday, loser, I am unemployed, <laughs> and I'll be unemployed for probably a good three months going up there. Uh, so big news tomorrow! I am moving to Missouri. I'll spend my first night in Springfield, Missouri. Be the first night that I'm not living in Arkansas. That's crazy to me. But anyways, I'll be up there for two years uh, doing school becoming a dietitian and everything. Um, but actually, so Monday was my last day. Get this, uh, Coach Glover. All right. I worked 52 days in a row without a day off and waking up. And waking up. You took off a couple I, of those days. I, I, I was sick one day. Yeah, see, there you go. Well, a that's a day, day off. That's okay. True. <laughs> I, I was I was throwing up. I mean, I, I was working. Sure. My body was working. Sure. Anyways, so okay. Other than that, so I worked fifty-one 50, out of fifty-two days. Fifty-one out of fifty-two days. Waking up, I had to be at work at four a.m. every morning. Good for you. And uh, it was a uh, life-altering experience, just to say uh, the least about it. I hope somewhere in those mornings you were waking up, you had one of those Coach Gloverisms come to your head at least one time where you said, this is what he was talking about. I try to block uh, block, <laughs> blockade those out. No, I was waking up every single morning and drawing uh, psych patients at the behavioral hospital. I was drawing blood on psych patients. Wow. Yeah. Every single morning, and then three of the three out of the four mornings, I would work a twelve-hour shift doing inpatient phlebotomy at Conway Regional, which wow. is basically just drawing people's blood as doctors put orders in. And That's it, awesome, though. It's a good experience. No, definitely a good experience. You know, it doesn't have to be the best experience, but it's a good one. Definitely. So, uh, like, what I'm wanting to do is is be a clinical dietitian, and so. 
I got familiar with with lab values that are indicative of certain like disease states, whether they be kidney or cardiac gotcha. or, or whatever. And I also became familiar with uh, different drugs because I, w- I would draw different drug levels. Uh, they had to monitor certain drugs. So I became familiar with different drugs and, and just familiarizing myself because I'll have to be aware of different food and drug interactions. Wow. Cool. Um, so it, it like, it's very applicable to what I'm wanting to do, but it, I, I saw like a lot more than that. Like I really saw, uh, into what a nurse does, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is an interesting scope of life. Uh, we'll leave it at that. I've seen, I've, I haven't seen it probably at your level, but you know, I had a father, my father-in-law had a massive heart attack and watching what the nurses did with him for a week was ridiculous. They have such difficult jobs. Yeah. Really seriously. Difficult and they like one of my things, cause I, I went into school wanting to be a nurse and like pursue medical school. And that just wasn't for me. Um, <clears throat> but I see, I see these nurses and they really do like overwork like nurses. Yes. Like it's, it's crazy. Like how many patients like a nurse will get and like they're expected to give this like super like intimate care to this patient. But at the same time you got six patients and like, what if they're all, you know, really ill? Yeah. Well, you, a nurse has to go from saving somebody's life in one room to cleaning a bedpan in the next room. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is. It's, it's crazy. It's and the hours are insane. Yes. Like it's, it's just crazy. So it really, it really made me, it really made me sympathize with with nursing you giving me a deeper yeah, understanding that's a, that's a very tough field to say the least yeah so that's that's really all all i've been doing is is getting stuff ready to move to missouri and just enjoying not having to wake up at you know 3 a.m every morning so that's true you, that, still, you still probably couldn't sleep in though you I, got used to waking oh, up yeah so i was waking up i i would wake up at like 3 45 like I would wake up and like my body was so used to having to be somewhere by four. Yeah. I'd wake up at like three forty-five. It's hard to break out of that. Three nights. Yeah, it's hard to break out of that. So, anyways, what'd you get into this week, Coach Clover? Well, let's see. So, I've got family in my my uh, father-in-law, mother-in-law came in last night, and we actually boiled some shrimp. And that was good. So we had a big shrimp bowl. I'm allergic to shellfish. Ooh, I had it for lunch. So, but anyways, (laughs) uh, so they came in yesterday. uh, Just worked this week. Uh, Didn't have a didn't have a very just didn't have a real eventful week. Just going to appointments and contacting new people and you know doing the doing the insurance job. Yeah, just getting used to that. Really, it's all new for me. So it's kind of it's. My week's different every week, but you know it's a it's a change, but good pace too. So. Yeah, one of the great things about humans are we're really good at adjusting. So you'll yeah. you'll settle in soon. Yeah, it, it's it's really I think it's a really good fit for me because it's just about it's really about making relationships and talking to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's what it is. That's what the job I feel like is. You, I it's, feel like you're pretty good at I mean, that. Yeah. It's, well, you're it's definitely good where, at talking to people. It's, it's still where it's honestly. One of those things where it, I could see where it'd be a terrible job for certain people. Like if you don't have that personality, because it's awkward, you know, when you're when you're contacting somebody new to to get their business and sell insurance to them. You know, it's a really can be a very awkward thing. Yeah. Because they think you're just trying to get something from them. But then 
And there is some truth to it because you are trying to sell them something, but it's something they either have to have or they need. And uh, so I take the approach of, hey, you know, I'm going to get told no some, but that's going to lead me to the next yes. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's a, you're selling, you're selling something, but honestly, it all comes down to this. It's the same thing as coaching. It's about trust. If you talk to somebody and you tell them something and you mean it, and they can trust you with that, then you'll do good with that job. Same thing in coaching. If you're, you know, you have good parent relationships, if the parents believe that they, you care about their kids. Uh, if you invest in your players, then they'll invest in you. It's the same thing with customer. If I'm, you know, if I'm just giving them the least effort possible, then guess what? It won't bother them a bit to leave me. But if I'm doing my best to, you know, build a relationship with them and them know that, hey, I do care about you and I want the best for you. And I'm just handling this insurance business for you, you know, and that's, I mean, that's what it is. That's, and I'll tell you, that's applicable for every job. I don't care what it is. When you're a dietitian, how you deal with your patients will really determine what kind of dietitian you are. They may not always like you, but you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. So yeah, just building relationships is huge. I don't care what you're talking about. Something you said about. Uh, getting you know rejected sometimes yeah. that's one thing you can't really be scared of uh, because there's so much opportunity around and if you don't take each opportunity it's like you never know so you you're can't gonna be scared. get a no 100 percent of the time you don't ask somebody exactly and that means that pretty girl for garrett wherever she is you know <laughs> he's, got, he's got to ask her sometime for her to say yes Will's already saddled down, and you know you had to ask her for ever oh, going on a date with you, right? Yeah. So it'd be a hassle go. right now, man. I'm just I'm just riding solo. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a hassle. Anyways, anyways, go ahead. That yeah, that like that was really really it. Just don't be scared of rejection. Like yeah. go go do it. And that that applies with anything. It is. That's anything in life. Anything. So. Yeah. I used to do that with my dad. When I go ask him to do something. Like, man, I really don't want to go ask him to go hang out with my friends because I know he's going to say no. Yeah. And then I wouldn't ask him. And then I'm like, dude, I should have asked him. Yeah. Come on. Well, <laughs> and there's and probably it, a lot of those times that your dad may have surprised you and said, yeah, son, go ahead. Yeah, I know. Just be back at then, uh, midnight. After that, I, I just had the realization. I was like, well, the worst thing you can say is no. So then every time he just say no, I'd be yeah. like, okay, whatever. And then I figured out after that, if you asked him, he said no. And you just said, okay, whatever. And you just didn't act all yeah you know put out about about it it. yeah then the more times he would say yes after that yeah so i don't know if that's true or not yeah for most people that's right yeah so so never uh, know let's ask (laughs) yeah never know so uh the the way that we know you we we played baseball for you we played basketball for you and uh so are there um any memorable times that you can can bring back? Um, I know there's probably quite. I've a few. got. I could go. Oh, we could we could be here for days. You would not make <laughs> yeah. it to Missouri in time, <laughs> yeah. as far as memories go. But I do have some really good memories with with these guys. I got great memories at Southside in general. But like when I think about, honestly, when I think about different situations, I have different things pop into my head a lot. The first things I think about when I think about Will was. Will was like our, he was our tough-nosed guy that I could treat him however, and I could talk to him however. And when I say that, I, a lot of times I was extremely hard on him, but I could really, and I would always remember, Will would always say the right thing at the right time. When I'm challenging everybody, he would be the first one to respond to it. 
And I think about some stuff with Garrett. First thing I think about it was, and actually it wasn't even with baseball. I think about that dang shot he made in junior high basketball <laughs> at Timbo, Arkansas Got that for the district video. championship. <laughs> yes, it was clutch as anything I've ever seen. We go on to win that game in triple overtime. Still, or double overtime, the best junior high basketball game I've ever watched. And and I say that I'm talking about playing basketball, coaching basketball, any game I've seen. And I had to work basketball games when I was at Greenbrier in Lafayette County. The best junior high basketball game I've ever watched. And Will had a big play in that game. We post up a kid that was five inches taller than him and turn around and score to get us an opportunity to get to overtime, you know, and then Garrett sinks one in overtime to send us no, and then we just we wore them Mason, down. Mason hit a, a yeah, Mason floater. hit a run, a little wore floater down, baby. Yeah, That's what we I'm wore them about. down. We grinded them out. We, <laughs> we wore had, them down. We had like six players, I think. Like that played, yeah. I'm pretty sure we did. It was six. that's where Riley. That's where Riley started balling. Yeah, he was still all goofy. Yeah, it's hard to get a nice, a he's, good he's basketball still pretty game goofy when you got a bunch of 13 <laughs> and 14 year olds out there. You know, it, what I'm saying? oh, that's exactly right. It's <laughs> and here's the deal: the team we were playing was really good, and it was a thing where man, it was a dogfight. It was two good teams. It it was amazing though. But I think about that, and obviously I've. Even though I coach basketball and I've coached football, I've always been partial to baseball. Like that's been my sport. But when I go back and think about the adversity over two years, you know, we uh, these these guys were juniors and we got beat in the state championship game three to two, and it was devastating for me. It was I can honestly say this one hundred percent. It hurt me a lot more than it did y'all because I carried that with me for because I thought man we may not ever get back there and then we had you know adversity happen the next year but I'll still will never forget how cool they handled the next year when we got in the postseason it was like okay we're back and you know it was so we were so smooth when I say we're smooth it was not easy I remember that game against Taylor like it was yesterday uh, remember that I guess, first inning? I remember, remember that, that first, first inning, inning, and you know, it was so funny. And I very rarely, very rarely can you say that you can look back and you can predict a game. But I told Coach Williams, I said, I can tell you right now, whatever happens in the first two or three innings of this game is going to dictate how the game goes. And he said, I agree 100%. I said, if they get up on us, we're in trouble because they will not, they will not give up a lead late because they were that confident. They'd won like 23 in a row. And I said, but if we can punch them in the mouth, we're, we got a shot. And here's the truth, and I would never say this, but they were the better team. They were better than us, but it didn't matter. We were better than them the year before. You know, they beat us in the finals the year before, and we were better than them. And guess what? They beat us. And the whole thing I was holding on to that year was, man, it's one game and it's baseball, and that's what I love about baseball. But, yes, that first inning, I go back to Mason comes up, spat, line drive up the middle. And we were playing to score a run. What happens? What happens next? Y'all don't know. Well, John, you do. Will, no, I don't Will, at all. But did Will bunt? Yes. Will bunt. It, it wasn't like a great bunt. Well, it was a pretty good bunt, but here's what happens. This is baseball. I can't believe y'all don't remember this. So kind of popped it up. No idea. Kind of yeah, popped did. it up, but it's down the third baseline. And their pitcher was a really good athlete. He runs, lays out. Ball hits the tip of his glove right in fair territory in the air. If he catches that ball, it could be a double play. Okay? But guess what happens? I do remember that. It kind of flows. And we end up going first to third on that play. And 
we uh no we we were first and second we bunt with Hastings yeah and it ends up being for a hit so he sack bunts trying to move him over now we got bases loaded with Garrett coming to the plate oh boy and Garrett racks a triple down the third down the right field line to the wall and I remember thinking that's exactly what we needed and and I and, and here's the deal I'm stoked not not and I'm not I, I mean I mean this with every bit of me is like okay. Here we go. We're going to see because we're going to see what they're made of because they hadn't been in this position in a long time, you know, and I can go through that game. And I and then I knew we got a lead, but then we also still had some nerves. We scored four runs the first inning. Uh, it's either four or five, actually. But we got up on top of them, but I knew, you know, the worst lead to have is an early lead. So, but anyways, going all into that, we win that game seven to six, and it was a dog fight. We come through. But where I knew how proud I was is I had went through such turmoil losing the year before for me, and this was me having the worst outlook as a coach and a terrible mindset. But, you know, I was, like, seriously depressed in July and August and stuff. It was really hard uh, just thinking, golly, I can't believe we lost that game. That fashion, you know. And then the next year – we go back to the finals and we're playing a really good team that's young with a good arm on the mound. And I remember thinking, if we lose this game, I'm not going to be able to handle this. And what happened right out of the gate? Mason, who hadn't struggled all year, was struggling to throw strikes a little bit and they rack a ball off the wall and they go up two to nothing just like that. And I remember thinking, Lord, I can't handle another loss. But I will tell you this, if I'm supposed to have it, I'll take it. But I'm not going I'm not getting mad at them for anything today. Like I'm not I was you know, and I tried to do that every year where when we got state tournament, we got late in the year, I'm done coaching. It's your time. And I remember at the bottom half of that inning, I was as proud as a group of guys I could have been to that point because we were so calm, went up there and we we answered with four runs. And I remember thinking, I don't have to say anything to these guys. And that's whenever I knew, and I really do mean this because we had went from get beat the first round of state tournament, my second year, y'all sophomore year, got beat in the semis Should've in a won. heartbreaker. Should've won. I mean, it was. It was got beat in the semis in a heartbreaker. Oh, that was, was that the walk-off Midland. hit? I hit my first no, home that run was in Midland. that game. No, that was Midland which in the semis. Was that? I can't remember. That was that at Taylor? I can't Taylor. remember anything. Dude, that was that at my Taylor. Brain we were terrible. playing Midland at Taylor. We played Taylor. Midland won it that year, and we played. We played at Taylor. Short played fence. Midland, yes. Yeah, I remember. And we had a home a, run. bro. That's my first home run yeah, of the game. We had, a, we had a five to three lead in the sixth, and anyways, we got beat in that game, and we were right there to go. And then the next year, going to the finals and getting beat on a walk off hit. Oh, and then but after but I, it's so funny because I've said this, and you know I had to tell you all this because y'all been graduated, but I've told like kids at Greenbrier and kids at Southside. You know, it's funny how life works and baseball works, but I do believe this with every bit of me, and y'all can disagree if you want to. It'd be a good time to say it, but I think if we win a state championship in 2013, we don't win it in 2014. And here's why I say that. I think you that failure is exactly what made us tougher the next year to be able to succeed that fact that we came up short and that's where, and I listen, like I said, I could speak on this for hours, but that's where I think we're really messing up in society. Failure is not final and it's not fatal. That's an old Alan gum quote. 
that failure is what makes you into the young men we're supposed to be coming up short, falling face first onto something and trying. You look it, you know, the percentage of millionaires that have been bankrupt, it's staggering. You know, those false steps and missteps and screw ups. I mean, I screwed up a lot coaching you guys a lot, but you know what? It didn't keep me from keep going and keep plugging. And that's the same thing with the job I have now. I'm not going to let something that happened last week keep me from doing something the next day. You know, and I just, uh, I do. It's funny because the way things worked and and looking back in your four-year career with me, it's amazing to think about the progression, you know, and the same thing in basketball. You know, we had that same progression in basketball. I had a great year, you guys, senior year, but it was a progression thing. You know, it's, you just got better and better each time. So I think there's a lot to be said about uh we try to we try to shield and I say specifically parents try to shield their kids from coming up short and that's a huge mistake you know it's like I'm sure y'all have heard the story about what happens whenever a whenever a mama bird helps the baby too much it don't get strong enough bird dies yeah the chick dies but that chick's got to get its way out of that egg cuz it builds the muscle and once it frees itself from that egg it's okay but if that if a person goes in there and opens that egg up for them and guess what chick dies not strong enough to live so i mean it's there's something to be said about that i mean that's nature that's not uh and i say that that could be an old lifestyle i don't know but uh, either this i believe it so yeah well Anyway. That's crazy. Your memory is very good. I didn't remember hardly any of that. I just remember the end of the <laughs> that's games. Where, well, that's you know what I'm saying? That, you know what? Huh? That is sad because I can't, I, you know, it's crazy. I can't remember anything about my playing career, but I can remember a lot about watching you guys play stuff. And what when I say you guys, I'm talking about, I can tell you a lot of things about my players at Greenbrier, players at Southside, you know, players at Lafayette County. I can tell you a lot about what they did, but I, I can't remember. I can't remember which way's up when it comes to me playing. You know, I just yeah. don't remember that. Well, I'm like that with everything, though. I can't remember the the details of the of what happened. I just remember how you just remember how you felt when you won, or, or you? like how everybody felt <laughs> once it was over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of strange. Yeah. yeah, he's a potato head. <laughs> <laughs> Noodle. No, so that that segues perfectly. You're talking about you can't remember your playing days. I was actually going to talk about uh, your your days played in college. Yeah. How was that? Well, I'll say this. And why say did it, you do that? Like, I'll say this. First of all, you know, my college career, I was a very, very average player at best. Uh, I guess when I say this, I loved playing baseball. That's all I wanted to do. And my dream from the time I was, you know, probably seven years old was play professional baseball. That's all I wanted to do. Well, I grew up in Damascus, Arkansas and went to school at Southside. And, you know, we were a little bitty school then and, uh, just like it still is now, but we were, it was a deal where all I wanted to do was play baseball. And I thought that I was a lot better than what I was. And I was a decent player, obviously, but I, you know, I wasn't great. And to be honest with you, I kind of had to bounce around a little bit. I went to UCA first and the coach that had kind of invited me to walk on left. I went to junior college up in Harrison, uh, played there for two years and then uh, coach, I had quite a several offers, a lot of Division two schools, nothing Division one, but I had a lot of Division two offers after junior college. And Coach Gum, actually, they offered me like the least amount of scholarship, but I also knew they had the best program. And I thought, man, if I'm going to know how good I am and what I can do, this is where I need to be at. So I didn't let the 
the competition side of it, like I'm not one of those guys that I wanted. And I actually had a, another school that offered me, basically guaranteed me you will play first day. Like you will come in and play every day. And it's another team in our conference. But I knew I was going to have a tough time playing or I was going to get as good as I could be at SAU. And that's exactly what happened. The truth was I didn't have a whole lot of talent. So I set the bench every game, you know, my junior year. And the only reason why I ever got off the bench was because uh, basically Coach Gum turned to me and looked for the first catcher that had gear on to see me in the game because he's mad at our catcher. And I would have never got to travel if that hadn't happened. I mean, I, that's a whole other story in itself. But the truth is, my decision was exactly right to go to SAU because I got to play for Coach Gum, who is one of the best guys, one of the best coaches. And I don't care what you're talking about. Uh, he cares about people. And honestly, you know, looking back on it, and everybody has always thought, you just, I loved baseball, I loved baseball so much, and I did. But I'm blessed a whole lot more because I got to be around that those type of people and to be in a competitive group with guys that were of like mind, I guess, like sharing experiences with, with people. Uh, and, you know, the, the joy of the game is one thing. But honestly, whenever you get to compete and you get to do it for a longer time and you get to learn, basically, I'll just tell you, I learned how to be a man. I learned... I learned responsibility and I learned how to work hard. Like I had never worked before in my life. I d honestly learned to do some things I didn't think were possible. And I will say this, a lot of people always just think about the, the college athletic side of it as just being about the sport, but here's what's this. And this is crazy, but it's the truth. My biggest supporters so far in my new job have been guys that I used to play with in college that I hadn't talked to in years. So we had that bond together, but it's like there's always that brotherhood there. Just like if you guys picked up and moved away to whatever, you'd always feel like brothers if you hadn't seen each other in five years. When you come back together, well, it's the same way. I mean, like I said, I've had former players, and I just call them up out of the blue, the guys that were my teammates. Hey, man, I'm in the insurance business now. Let me look at your stuff. Come down here. I'd love to meet with you. Don't even ask questions. I got great friends great friends that I talked to now nah, I'm good where I'm at you know and that's fine I get it that but what I'm saying is that those guys didn't even question it Glover you got it come on you know like we're it's really weird some of them one of them is in El Dorado one of them's in Hot Springs another one in Hot Springs like so it's crazy that bond that was made through athletics on the baseball side of it I got to have a great experience I, I did get to play every day my senior year was a starter and had a great experience playing, but really the great experience was not about the game. And that sounds really dumb because I did. I love the game, but it was the, it was the hard stuff. It was the stuff that I was getting made to do that I acted like that I didn't want to do, but I didn't realize how valuable it was. For example, it's funny how you open things talking about getting up. I remember thinking, why do we have to have 5 a.m. weights? four days a week. Why does it, why does he make this so hard? Why? Well, now I know like it was about making us better men, making us better competitors, toughen us up mentally. And honestly, I think for me, if I went back and started my life over from square one, I would do exactly what I did because I don't think I could do anything differently to, to make my life any better. in that experience, other than if I couldn't do baseball, I think I'd have went into military and been in the Navy or something like that, just because they have the same type bond and atmosphere 
I think when I say it's probably even more so uh, those special teams guys and stuff. It's just kind of a I don't know I don't know how to describe it. Besides, I remember a lot more about my experience of playing baseball than actually the playing of baseball. You know, and like I said, it was a great great time. I, I mean, we we'd play sixty games a year and practiced all day forever. It seemed like all we did was baseball, but the experience of those hard workouts and those grueling days in the heat out there. It was just, that was the stuff that you look back on now that you miss. And I think y'all probably echo some of the same stuff. You don't, it's awesome to hit a ball and hit a home run and know it's a home run. That's a great feeling, but how other people feel when you're feeling good and how, you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that you really, really miss. Yeah. When it comes to that. And the thing is you, <clears throat> you it's it's not over it's like it's over with that group of people it's a chapter thing but that's what life's about is about experiencing those peak experiences and that's what that's a form of a peak experience is going through something really difficult with people and overcoming it and like just like it's it's a bond because like you see that you not only you but the people around you that you've been working with have overcame something that you set out to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I think we've talked about that before, Gary. Um, we talked about how we don't miss playing. Yeah. Um, but we miss uh, like hanging out with each other. You know what I mean? Because it's so yeah. difficult now to hang out with your friends. Yeah, you're Everybody's busy. Your obligations and things to do and responsibilities and whatnot. And uh. You know, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's well, you know, honestly, high school sports is the most pure, unadulterated thing left in sports. You know, college is more of a business. People are getting scholarships there, but high school sports is, and this is one thing I and I didn't say this a lot with y'all, but I said it a lot at Greenbrier. Everything we do here is voluntary. You don't have to do one thing. You don't have to do anything I tell you to do, unless you're on the field. Yeah. Then you got to do it. It's voluntary though. You're volunteering your time out here. You're you don't have to be here. You can go to band. You can go do whatever you want to yeah. do. Yeah, you but did, everything definitely you, didn't tell us that. Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> did not tell you that. Well, it was a little different luxury. Dude, I might have joined the band. At, at, what are you talking about? At, at Greenbrier, you know, I had you know, I'd have sixty kids a year trying to come out and play. So it was voluntary with y'all. You didn't have an option if you wanted to play basketball then guess what you're gonna have to play baseball for me too so i had it all so you didn't get to pick you know so uh but anyways yeah yeah so speaking of that because we did play basketball underneath you and, and it in my opinion it definitely was a different experience uh getting coached like baseball than basketball by you yeah so talk about the difference like from your perspective in coaching those two sports you know honestly, and you also coach football so you can throw in that yeah, third one I, well i'll say this of my if my listed my favorite sports obviously on the coaching side of it it would be baseball then basketball and then football way down the list and I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. If I could coach soccer or wrestling or tennis or cool mumly peg. Wrestling. I mean, anything. And I say this, football guys are great. I, and I, I'll go into that in a minute. But, like, so baseball, obviously, baseball is a lot more methodical. It's a lot more about – it's about – Doing things the right way and playing the game at your highest level possible. It's not about your athleticism. It's not about strategic. Yeah. It's not about your ability on, you know, you don't have to be fast. You don't have to do, you know, 
basketball is a lot more of an emotional game. And this is where I think the only the little bit of success we had in basketball was not because of me, first of all, because a good X's and O coach could have could have done better with you. I think the only thing that I was good at on the basketball side was invoking that emotion and getting you to play hard. Like but here's the deal. That's also got to be a flicker and a flame in there. There's got to be that competitive <laughs> fire in there to draw out. So a guy that really knew basketball could and was a good motivator could have done better than I did for sure because y'all had some ability. We weren't big at all, but we had a lot of guard play and we could shoot it and y'all. But like the thing that you that your group of guys could do and that the group of guys at Southside kind of coming through y'all's time frame is I could get you motivated to play because you had that competitive spirit in you and you wanted it. So my job was to get you to play harder. And you know what? This is what I figured out, especially in the lower level basketball. When I say lower level, I'm talking about smaller schools. Effort will cover up a lot of mistakes. And whenever you will play hard and fast and be willing to take charges and sack, you don't have to teach technique as well. If you'll play hard and fast and have some talent on the floor, you'll do okay. Like I said, there's a lot of guys. Keith Cornett was a heck of a lot better basketball coach than I was. I said this forever. I never did say it to y'all, but said it forever. If Keith Cornett had been coaching Southside and I was coaching Concord, I think that year it would have been two and two. Instead, of, now I think they had one player better than all yeah, of ours. Yeah, but it's, they they had some good role players too. But my point is this: he would have figured out a way to win one game, maybe two, where, uh, you know, I'd have I'd have been three and one or whatever. But like I said, we went zero and four against them. Went like twenty six and six, I think, or twenty seven and six. Can't believe we didn't beat them. Man. Yeah, twenty seven and six, <laughs> and played it. them some really good games. <laughs> you know, played them really good games. But it was a deal where we went zero and four against them and. You know, they were back-to-back years. They they were the only team in Arkansas to win 40 games. I don't know if y'all know that, but Dude. they were 41-2 and two and 40-3. and three. That's a lot of games. They went down to but, some, like, 3A school that was, like, 32-0. and 0 or Blevins. Like, yeah, Blevins, that's it. And they just, like, Destroyed them. murdered them, like, yeah. 20 points. Like, no, murdered was, them. They beat them 30, like, 31, I think. Yeah, like, but, they murdered them, bro. Anyways, but saying the difference in – back to the difference in sports. So, baseball is methodical <laughs> playing – and having a strategy and having a game plan. Basketball, for me, it was a lot more emotional. And obviously, when you know X knows, obviously it's going to be methodical. And it's going to be about running the right sets and, and really having stuff down. And, you know, but it's a lot more emotional. It's about, it's a game of runs. It's a game of momentum, you know. And then the re- only reason why I say football is way down on the list for me is because I was so ignorant about it. And when I say ignorant, I mean it in the definition of the word ignorant. I actually love football. I love watching football. But whenever you didn't play football, and and I didn't because I went to school at Southside, when you don't play football, and you, it's really hard to ever get that basic knowledge that you need. It's kind of like it's hard for somebody that has never played a game of baseball to come in and teach the game the right way if they haven't been around it. You know, unless they've been – when I say that, a person can have a great mind for the game that didn't play it, but they've had to be around it a lot, and they've had to experience it in a lot of different ways. Well. I the third game, third, the third high school football game I ever watched in my life. I was a defensive coordinator on the sideline at Lafayette County. I was, I mean, I was not prepared for that, and I didn't know the game. So, and here's what it is with football: that methodical and disciplined approach in baseball times that by five, 
in football. And, you know, Randy Tribble, the coach at the coach at Greenbrier, phenomenal guy, phenomenal head football coach. And the line coaches and the guys there, they are so methodical in the way they teach stuff. But here's what I figured out. If you don't know those methods and those techniques, practice is excruciating to get through. Cause so I was really ignorant and did not know all this all the drills we needed to be doing. So you go through and you're running through stuff with a group of guys and man, it you're like teaching them one step. So you're teaching these linemen the 45 degree step and then, you know, shuffling their feet and all this stuff. Well, when you're supposed to do that for 15 minutes, go teach somebody to take a step for 15 minutes. <laughs> Tell me how bored you are. Like wow. it's really hard. Like you do. And whenever you don't know exactly, like I said, it'd be like me taking some complete stranger and saying, all right, I want you to work on these guys leads at first base. How boring would that be if you knew nothing about a 12-foot lead or a 15-foot lead or old school lead and new school lead and all that? If you don't know any of that stuff and you're saying, he's just walking off the dang bag, that's terribly boring. So that's why I say football is a great sport. I love watching it. Actually, my favorite sport to watch is college football. But it's a deal where coaching it for me, when you're that far behind and you never feel like you're going to catch up, it was just too overwhelming. And I didn't, yeah. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And the time, the time issue of, you know, they practice and, you know, my first job at Lafayette County, it was seven days a week. You're working seven days a week. You got a game on Friday nights. You're doing filming stuff on Saturday and then you're game planning on Sunday from two to eight o'clock at night. And then it's every night throughout the week, you know, it's Monday through Friday It's just, Oh, I hated it. But, and like I said, I didn't have it that bad at Greenbrier. I had, you know, my AD really took care of me and I always worked with great people there. It was a deal where, uh, it was a good, it's as good as it could be for me, but it's still, it's, it's hard. And when you get older, you don't love every aspect. I mean, that's what I always said. I don't love all the aspects of sports. I love baseball and coaching baseball to bring on that part. The rest of it to me, I didn't, you know, I was kind of, kind of past that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's such a, an interesting thing. What I was thinking about when you were talking, uh, like anything, any activity that you can get into, it can become so nuanced. Yeah. Like football, like there's nuance there. There's, there's small details to be understood and learned, uh, methodically, like you're saying. But you don't you didn't understand that and and I can tell you firsthand just from being uh learning from you yeah. uh baseball baseball is so nuanced yeah. you wouldn't you very did, complex me me and Cade Sawyer actually were talking the other day about this like we can go and, and talk to to somebody that is really well versed in baseball and just talk to them yeah. and 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 talk about concepts that they may have never even heard yeah. of yeah and and it's like I haven't played baseball in four or five years yeah. and and it was just it was just so interesting yeah and uh, it is it's a, it's the it's the depth and I'll tell you that I had the best teachers of the game. And I, and like I said, man, the Lord just blessed me in so many ways in the coaching field. It just so happened. A couple of guys liked me because all that stuff you're talking about, I knew nothing. I thought that I knew so much because I got to play college baseball. Like I'm, I'm I'm way ahead of everybody. And then I realized real quick playing the game and college and then really learning how to teach the game was two different things. 
you know, Coach Gum was a phenomenal, he's a great teacher, but he's also a great motivator, and we're very, very similar. And then I met a guy named Lance Spagner who was like my high school coaching mentor, and which Alan Gum was too. But like, like I said, it's like there's been two guys in my professional career of coaching that changed everything for me, and here's what it was. Alan Gum taught me to be a man. He taught me how to work hard. And I think if, if you don't have that staple, then you're never going to know what your potential is. And then Lance Spagner started teaching me how to teach the game. And he just – for he's the head coach at the ratio. Actually, he's the head coach now at uh, Rich Mountain Junior College. He just retired from high school coaching, won five or six state championships. And uh, anybody in Arkansas that knows anything about baseball, if you don't know him, then you're missing out. He's uh, – Anyway, just was phenomenal, but he kind of took me under his wing and started showing me real quick, just because you played doesn't mean you're teaching anything the right way. And he ran a little 3A school down in South Arkansas, like a college program. And he had, you go out, and when I say the middle of nowhere, Horatio, Arkansas, you can't find it on a map. You have to know exactly where it's at. You could not find it if I pulled it up right now and just, you couldn't even get close. (laughs) But he built something there. He was there for 28 years. It was his first job and his last high school job. Could have coached anywhere in Arkansas in high school ranks. And he built something over teaching the game, not not with athleticism. He taught guys how to be really good baseball players and he took and made got the most out of their ability year in and year out. It's, it's amazing. But the only reason that knowledge that I got was because, man, other people were investing in me and like they liked me enough to say, hey let's go talk baseball and let's do this. And I'd poured myself into it for years there, uh, learning stuff, going to clinics and soaking every little nugget up that I could. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of guys a lot better than me on that frame of it. But what you're saying about the, the thing that I learned really quick, and this applies to anything, the guys that are always adapting and changing are the ones that are always on the tip of the spear. The guys that are the guys that say, you know, this is what I do and this is all I do. I'm not ever changing anything. Like I I remember whenever I had a light bulb go off in my head, his coach Spagner had been coaching for 20 years, 19 years. The first time I sat down with him, sat in his office, I drove three and a half hours to meet him and talk with him. I sat down in his office and I said, coach, how do you teach? I said, how do you teach your guys something simple? And he said, well, here's what I used to do. I used to teach it this way. He said, now, I've been teaching it this way the last two or three years, but now I'm just fixing to change it all and we'll start teaching it this way. And I said, what do you mean? What? He said, what do you mean, what do I mean? I said, what do you mean by that? You're, ta- you're telling me that you've taught it one way and you're teaching a new way? And you're-. He said, yeah, if you're not changing, you're dying. And that right there, and then I figured out about guys like Kirk Bach, Alan Gum. Lance Spagner, all those legendary high school coaches or legendary coaches in general, you know what? They're adapting and they're changing all the time and they're always looking for the next edge. They're always learning. They're never done learning. Uh, And that's the same with anything else. I mean, it doesn't have to be baseball. It can be a doctor. There's new new things happening every day. And if you're not willing to change with some of that, you're going to be left behind. You know what they say? I do know what they say. What do they say? say (laughs) What do they say? You just say it, man. Those who are resistant to change are destined to perish. There you go. That's exactly right. Exactly (laughs) right. So open up that mind of yours. (laughs) So open up that mind of yours, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's off a really stupid movie, but that was a really good quote. <laughs> yeah. right, it is a true quote. I can say that. <laughs> so, so that was your your college experience, and like they took you under the wing. So I'm I'm assuming that having those role models around you was that why you were playing. No, no, no. This was when I was coaching. So the, obviously, my role model. So what was got coaching. you into coaching? I will tell you, one hundred percent. I won. I didn't know what I was going to do when I. I was the most uneducated. When I say uneducated, all I ever thought. I mean, my parents would tell you, go to college, just go to college and get a degree. Go to college and get a degree. Go to college and get a degree, and life will be better for you. Well, I would completely advise against that thought process today, because now. We have this, and I could talk about this for days, but now we have this do deal about it, we're, we're, we're going to go to college and we're going to figure it all out. Well, I can tell you right now, here's what you're doing. You're wasting money because there's tons of people that graduate college and cannot find a job, and then they got eighty or $100,000 in student loan debts. Not a good idea. So here's what I would say, anybody that is young, if you don't know what you're going to do, go to work. Don't go to college. If you don't know what you want to do, go to work. And then you know what you might do? You might get one of those terrible jobs that you hate that says, you know what, I ain't doing this the rest of my life, and I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to know exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm basically going to get a degree where I can do it. So with that, I just couldn't see my life without baseball. All I knew is I was going to college. I went to college for a couple of years, then I had to declare a major, and I said, okay. And after being around Coach Gum for a very short amount of time, I just declared my – and I had a buddy, Justin Moore, who's actually a pitching coach at, at Valonia now. Oh, we were friends in high school and stuff, and he said, well, I'm going to get my degree in education so I can be a coach or teach or do something like that. And I thought, huh, I might ought to do that. That's literally how much thought I put into it. All I want to do is play baseball. That's literally how much thought I put into it. But then, honestly, after that, when after playing for Coach Gum for a year, and I saw how much of a difference he made in my life and how much I – and I know you guys will feel the same way to a degree, but when you have that bond with a coach, it's like you'd do anything not to disappoint them. You'd do, you would go over and beyond to make certain that they did not look at you in the wrong light or something. Like it's the ultimate deal. It's like, it's, I mean, I'd say it's very close to a fatherhood relationship. You know, it's completely different, but it's very similar. Uh, and I remember thinking, he has made that kind of a difference in my life, and I want to do the same thing. I, I want to try to make a difference like he's done for me because I looked up to him so much. Like, honestly, I thought he's like above human, you know, and you hear about, you know, all these coaches. Nick Saban gets put on. I mean, he's not a human. He's a god. That's the way everybody kind of treats him. Yeah. Well, the truth is he's a human. He's not God. It's just the way he's elevated, and it that's a lot to do with media and stuff. But, like, as far as individuals, there's a, I can tell you of a lot of people that feel the same way about Alan Gum as I do, that he was a fantastic leader, yeah. a fantastic role model. You know what I mean? Mentor so, figure. Yes, yeah. and that was the deal where when after I did that for a while, I was, after I played for him, I was like, this is the right fit for me. So, And that's honestly, that's whenever I knew uh, it's so funny how stuff works. The best compliment I ever got, and I told this to Coach Gum the other day on his 50th birthday, Best compliment I ever gotten as a coach was I had an older gentleman from Batesville. I was speaking at the AAA clinic. For some reason, he was just in there. wasn't a coach. He was just listening. And he comes in there, and afterward, he said, I just want you to know that I don't know if you know this guy or not, but I know Alan Gum really well, and y'all are 
could be brothers because you're just alike. And whenever he said that, I said, that was like the greatest accomplishment in my mind is, man, if somebody sees me like that, then I made it. So, you know, I got, I got something funny to tell you. Um, I was talking to this guy. He just started working for parks and rec and, um, he went to school at Taylor and he graduated in 2012, maybe something like that. And, uh, you know, we just got talking about baseball or whatever. And he was talking about his coach. And uh, the way he was describing him was exactly like you. I forgot his name, though. Robbie Frizzell. Yeah. And he was, was like, coach. Um, he, we were talking about it, talking about it. And he was, I told him about my coach. And he was like, yeah, I kind of remember him. And he was, like, he was like, did he go to SAU? And I was like, yeah, he did. He's like, he's like he played for Coach Gum, didn't he? And I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah, he did. He's like, he sounds exactly the same yeah. as this other guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a compliment, though. It's, no, it's funny. Other... It's so funny you said that. Robbie Frizzell was one of those first guys. Actually, the first time I ever sat down in Lance Spagner's office was with Robbie Frizzell. And Robbie invited me. And that was a deal where just good people. Like I said, surround yourself with good people. I, you say that all the time. Robbie Frizzell, top-notch guy, top-notch coach. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you you hear about those. A lot of guys that play for them, they have the same reaction when they're talking about their coaches. They're either – you know, it's funny because they either have one of two things. They either have really good things to say, they have really negative things to say. You know, it's really a polarizing job. It's like yeah, no either doubt. I loved him as a coach or I hated that guy. He was a jerk and then it, it didn't yeah. go my way. You know what I mean? And that's honestly, there's a lot of people feel that way about me. They either really like me or they hate my guts and be perfectly thing, fine. I mean, if you're making a difference, you're going to have that type of impact. Like if you're making a difference in anything. And that's exactly right. And you're yeah, going to be like polarizing. That's like an insult if they're saying, oh, he's all right. Yeah. He's <laughs> I mean, right. uh, you know, right. a, good, a good thing my wife said forever ago goes the opposite of love everybody says it's hate but it's not it's indifference yeah you know, apathy that you know the op- if you don't care that's the opposite of love you know if you have i don't care what happens to that person that's the opposite of love you know hate is there's some emotion there you know at least there's something to trial you up a little bit no so. doubt that's a that's a good way to to look at it <laughs> yeah that means you're making. That means you're making something happen. Hey, you're making some waves. Exactly. You're not just sitting in the boat. Exactly. You're making some waves. Hey, different people grow at different times, though. You know, because mm-hmm. Gary can attest to this. There's been plenty of times we hated your guts. <laughs> you no, no doubt. Hey, but then I'll, no, I'm being serious. I'll be yeah. serious. Like, um, we talked about this. When, did we talk about this the other day, Gary, or a couple months ago, or a month ago? Well, tell me what you're we're talking about. <laughs> Which one? We, we talked about how um, we didn't at times we really hated coach glover but then now we appreciate what he did oh yeah we actually did we we had uh whitney scott which is actually paxton's newly bewedded wife oh, okay uh we had her on the podcast very interesting girl she coached she was an assistant coach for cbc for one year they ended up going to win the nccaa gotcha national title and that was i was like she's Oh, she's one for one. Yeah, like, quit, awesome. quit while you're ahead. Yeah, yeah stop. And she's uh, going to pharmacy school, real smart. But anyways, yeah. softball was really big for her, and somehow yeah. we got on to talking about just like how it carries over into life. It's yeah. like you and having and having a good uh, good mentor and everything. Um, what was what were we just talking about? We're talking about how um. Coach Glover made us mad all the time. Oh yeah, and it just came. Yeah, up. You used to hate me. Yeah, I it heard just, you. It just came up, and the way, I said something about his stupid little chicken legs and stuff. <laughs> I do have chicken legs. I can't argue that one. Yeah, see, I told you. I told I you. I'm 
Pretty sure I said yeah. on that episode. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he, he knows. knows. Yeah, I do. I got chicken legs. <laughs> no, but um, I can't remember what we said. It was like, even though you don't like what somebody does, you still you can still respect them after the fact for what they taught you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it's funny you say that because you hear all the great things I've said about Coach Gum. You know, he hated my guts for a semester. I mean, I hated him, and he hated my guts. It was I was fixing to get cut. I was fixing to be done playing. He told me, Glover, the best thing you do is pack your crap and leave and never come back here. That's exactly what he told me. I mean, he was, but you know what? Here's the truth. He was telling me the hard truth that if this, if you think this is going to be easy and anybody cares who you are, you're stupid. You're not very good. It's what he flat out told me. You're not very good. You leave early every day and you ain't working hard. You're lazy. I mean, he told me, I mean, embarrass the dog out of you you know like uh it's a deal where but now here's the truth he was telling me the truth i was leaving early i was embarrassed of how bad i was playing instead of me doing something about it i was trying to find a hole to crawl in you know what i mean like instead of me grabbing and and assuming the responsibility for myself i'm just trying to to deflect it and put it somewhere else and you know i will say this my coaching style was really 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 hard for high school. When I say really hard for high school, I was I really hard on y'all. I was. I, was, <laughs> I agree. I, I, was, agree. <laughs> I was really hard on you. I, I, was, I had a lot more of the mentality of a guy that is coaching at the college level about, I, you know, I'm fixing to hammer you and hammer you, and I'm going to push you and push you. And I'd, and honestly, I actually mellowed with age. You know, I, I will say we I heard. pushed. I did. I, I, well, you had. I had to. When I say I had to, for me, I, I, I was kind of – is a deal where, but the truth is this, and this is the truth. You're not yelling and pushing people that can't do better. Okay, does that make sense? Like, so we're not slackers. No, I didn't say you're. I didn't know. I didn't say you're slackers. But you know, Garrett started this off, and he said we had a love hate relationship, and I would chew Garrett like a dog, and I'd chew him out and be hard. But you know what? I'd chew on him too because I knew. Even though he may be leading us in hitting, batting 470 by Jacks, he could have been batting 650. At our level, that's what he could have been doing. And with Will, Will got a lot of brunt of stuff a lot of times because Will played everything he had, work his guts out, do everything, and I'd still chew him out when he's playing the hardest to anybody. Just because I'm trying to make, and I tell you, I had a kid. I just wasn't very good. I, no, he was, no, he's one of our best, you're one no, of our best players. It was saying, a deal where. Like, there were people that were better than me. I, I wasn't the best, but I played hard. You, well, that's what. Well, so here's like, the deal, I wasn't though. very good. Our, but here's the thing: is it's all that stuff is needed. I had a kid at you know I've got to coach some phenomenal athletes here at Greenbrier. You know I've had, uh, well I mean we've got one that's fixing to get drafted. I won't coach him his senior year, but I coached him for three years. Uh, he's the highest recruited kid in Arkansas by far. I mean he's the player of everything. He's phenomenal. Unbelievable talent. Well, his older brother played at Wichita State. I coached. Uh, he's playing at Wichita State. I coached him his his uh, senior year. Another kid named Hunter Milligan went to the Razorbacks. Another kid named Ryan Flake, Division One shortstop. But all those guys, and then there was a guy that reminded me a lot of Will. wasn't our He wasn't our most talented guy. A guy named Stephen Stewart was our glue, and anything that we did, he was right in the middle of. He like you've got to have those. You got to have all those different types of guys. You got to have guys that can can do some athletic things. Then you got to have the guys that are the workhorses. Then you got to have the guys that are the role players. I mean, 
little as you think about it, the year that in 2014 won state championship, Donovan Taylor played the outfield for us every day and he hadn't touched the field all year and we had guys hurt. Those role players have got to step up and do some stuff. And then you know what he did? He set the bench all the state tournament and cheered. How many guys would do that? You know, how many guys would play all year? What a guy. And now he's in the military and got two kids and doing great from what I hear. He's killing it. I love Dono. But you know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys I'd see down on the street. I love Dono. What's up, man? I would love to hear what Dono had to say because I remember this distinctly is he always said he wanted to be in the military. And uh, you would always tell him, He'd be like, you're not going to get in there running like that (laughs) and all this stuff. I'm not even kidding, but I guarantee you that gave him a little... A little fire to, you know, he's like, hey, I want to, you know, prove yeah. him wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, but like I said, my man, my, I know, I know I was really hard to play for. I know that I'd, man, I'd push all the limits. And I will say this there's a lot of times where I'd think, man, I'm pushing them too hard. But I will say this I think it's to, to better to have pushed too hard than not hard enough. And I say that even if you come up short, even if you, you know what, I may push somebody off the edge, but you know what? At least we know where the edge is at. I mean, really, yeah, you may, you may, true. you may, you may sacrifice one. Like, man, I, I screwed up. I screwed up. And I will say this: there's some guys after y'all that I did push too hard. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to say names and stuff, but yeah. like, and it was my fault. I probably pushed a little too hard, and I didn't get. I may have pushed them over the edge. Yeah, but I will say. At least we knew. At where, least we, it, know we knew. Okay, yeah. man, I did. I pushed you a little too hard, and you know, it's a deal. It's just, and it happens. It, you know, the, the, that's the thing. Coaching is just like life, just like being a parent. You know, there's no manual. There's no thing that you look and say, okay, when a kid does this, this is what you're supposed to do. Or when your child acts up, this is what you're supposed to. Do. All those manuals are crap. They tell you what they tell you to do, and how they tell you to handle it is not real life applicable. It doesn't work. So. It's like you got to find those lines yourself, and you—it's a constant navigation thing. Like I said, I there's a lot of things that I wish that I could undo, but honestly, I got a lot more things that I'm glad I did do than I wish I could undo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it, when it comes to that, like I made mistakes and I screwed up and I, I, I really made some bad decisions at times. But you know what? At least I'm making decisions. There's an old yeah. poem. Or it's a it's a saying or writing by Theodore Roosevelt that I've got in my office now that Coach Gum's got in his office that my wife has got at her gym, and it's called the Man in the Arena. And if you've never read that, I would really tell you you need to read that because it's talking about you know basically in in a nutshell it's talking about you know all the people in the crowd can they can scoff at you and they can tell you where you screwed up and they can tell you what all you did wrong. But none of that matters to the guy in the arena with the with the mud on his face who knows if he's tried his hardest and he fails, he's okay with that. Yeah. But if he does try his hardest and he wins, then he knows what victory and defeat is like. Like, it's about that guy and you being the guy that you can take everybody else's criticism and have the skin and the toughness to deal with what everybody else says and not let it affect what you're doing. And... Don't listen to all that, all the stuff in the crowd. And I'm not talking about like a crowd, but I'm just saying that's life. Don't, don't, do not conform to what everybody else says you should do because then you're, you know what you're going to do? Be very, very average. Yeah. Never, never potentiate. No, you're never going to reach what you can do. And like I said, I, that, that goes for 
insurance, coaching. It goes for anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It goes for to anything you're doing. You can, you know, how you are as a dad, how you are as a husband. I mean, all that stuff. It's all yeah. applicable. So definitely. But so yeah. if so if so if Will, I gotta ask this because this, this you've kept talking. But so if Will's the workhorse, what was I? Say so Will, I I I say Will was a workhorse. Much I say Will was a leader. I say Garrett, and this is no lie. You're as clutch as anybody ever coached. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are. You're clutch. <laughs> he and wanted I say you this. to say that. No, you're as clutch as anybody ever coached. There's, he was hoping you'd say that. I'll say this. There was of all of all the people I've coached. Now, like I said, I've coached guys with a lot more talent than you. But I'll say oh, yeah. this: when it come crunch time, man, I want a guy that thinks he's the best. And Garrett was always best. Garrett was always arrogant, and I say that, and I mean that in a good way. Garrett was always arrogant in the fact of I've got you, baby. I'm, he stepped in the box, and when I say this, it's on the hey, he could be ice. I remember a game. Well, I don't remember who we were playing. I do too. We we're playing a uh, Concord. Oh well, playing Concord. Stiff and I had been all over him about something about playing defense or something. He wasn't getting after somebody like I thought he could. He's having to guard the best player, and. He hit six threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, bro. To get us back in the game. But and then here's what it did. When they started sending two, hit Will or hit Mason and they knock one or two down. And then hey, we came back and it's a one point game. Yeah. You know, I mean it's a we gave lost. us a chance, but it was because <laughs> we did lose. But again, that that factor of knowing you can knock it down and knowing you can do stuff. I I'll definitely and I've said that, I've told a lot of guys in Later years after you were gone and Will's gone, I always talk about, you know, had a kid, uh, Stephen Stewart in Greenbrier, but that was Will at Southside. And then Garrett Clutch. And we had, you know, guys like Cade Sawyer, who's just, man, do whatever you ask him to do and just plug along all the time. You know, we had guys, Hunter Pennington, just, you know, and it's that's the hard part is whenever you got those guys that you love and – it always, you know, and you, you got to make hard decisions. You know, I dealt with that a lot at Greenbrier. Where you got guys you love to death, and maybe they're not playing every second, or maybe they're not. It's just that's the hard part of the job, you know, is whenever you making got, the decisions, making that decision about what's best for this group. And here's the deal: making those decisions, knowing that could be wrong, and you don't yeah. get a second chance at it. You yeah. make this decision, and then boom, you. Just, well, I wish I could have done something different here. I wish I could, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And there's, you can look back on every game and decide those things. You know, you can look back on all those games and decide different stuff at different times. Like I said, I've had a thousand times at Greenbrier, you know, in my, of coaching baseball there where I was like, oh man, is this the right decision? Is this the right decision? Because you've got different scenarios where, you know, things play out differently and you just, you get one shot at it. It's like I said, like parenting yeah. and being a husband in life, you get, you don't, you don't but get that's to make a good sick. quality that you have. You're pretty decisive. So yeah. that's yeah. you got to make that decision. You got to make that decision, live with it, and then rock on. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, you talked about you know how you're uh, you're an insurance agent now. So like that means you got out of coaching. Obviously, yep. coaching is a uh, is a big time commitment. So yep. talk a little bit about why you did that. The, I mean, I can really sum this up. My I got a young family and I got a four or five month old daughter and a, another daughter that's fixing to be five years old or fixing to be four years old. I'm sorry. She'll be four in September. And you know, I've got in coaching, you gotta, 
you got to pour everything into it. You don't really have, in my opinion, a lot of, there's other guys that do it differently, but in my opinion, all the guys that I know that are good coaches pour everything into their career. When I say pour everything, I'm not saying they're neglecting their family, and I'm not saying that to be a good dad, you can't coach. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that it's like there's a dividing time. Okay, you're a coach, and then you're a parent. And, and honestly, what happened with me was I started looking around, and I was like, my kids are going to be grown in no time. And... I'm spending time with somebody else's kids all the time. And it was a deal where, honestly, having girls, I think if I'd have had two boys, I'd have coached forever. Having two girls knowing that, you know, they don't, they don't care if I'm a coach. They care that I'm dad. And honestly, kind of get the education business is changing. And I didn't, I did not, I do not care for the education side of it. I cared about coaching. And I felt like I got to where I was spending more time doing stuff that I didn't care about. 70% of my day, 75% of my day was taken up with time. I didn't want to do it. And then I got to coach 25% of the time. Well, then whenever that time commitment comes along with the coaching and it sacrifices. And honestly, uh, the guy that I'm working for now, the my agency manager, he called me up. It was about, I guess about two years ago now, close to almost two years ago. Called me up and said, hey, I want to sit down and talk with you sometime. Come up here. So I went up there to his office, and he basically says, you ever thought about having a career change? And honestly, it was crazy, and this was God's timing because I had just been talking to my wife about, I can't coach like this forever. Like, I can't do this forever. She's like, well, and I actually started my master's, or my, I'd started my uh, administration license. And I had zero interest in being a principal. That didn't interest me at all. It was just like a way out of coaching, like a transition out of coaching. It didn't excite me at all, but it was a deal where, okay, I can stay in education. I can get some more time with my family and, you know, it gives me a backup plan. Well, he tells me about what the job is and kind of describes it. And he's like, and I think you'd be perfect for it. And I think you'd be really successful at it. And I just, I just want you to think about it. Just take some time and think about it. And I said, all right. I said, well, I can't make a decision right now, you know, and my wife was opening up a gym at the time and, you know, we kind of started thinking about it and I thought, you know, I'm going to give this some real thought. So I did. And I spent about six months praying about it, thinking about it. And I thought I didn't feel good about it, but I said, you know, I'm going to dive in this a little bit deeper. So I found out what I needed to do to get my insurance license and all that. And I thought, okay, I started looking at it and, and he calls me back and he said, I want to go sit down for dinner you and your wife and me and my wife and we went and sat down together and had dinner and he lays it all out there and he basically says i'm gonna give you a year to make up your mind in a year i gotta move on but i'm gonna give you a year to make up your mind on what you want to do and so i spent that that time frame and over the next four or five months i said all right here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go and i'm gonna take this insurance test and if i fail it then i know i'm not supposed to do it if i'm not supposed to do this and and i had to go through a lot of series of interview i had to go meet with district sales manager and go through several interview things to get through this. And I thought, you know, anytime there's red flag, I'm not doing it. I was kind of like, I will see. And went through the process, was offered the job and did not accept it right away. Uh, through from the district sales manager, took my insurance test, got all that done and honestly got all that squared away in January. Okay. So it's January of 2019. 
And I'm really kicking around the idea, am I ready to get out of coaching? And here was the tipping point, honestly, was my daughter, my second daughter was born February 28th. Of this year? Of this year. And... Congratulations, thank by you, the way. Thank you. Uh, February 28th, <laughs> she was born. And our first game was like February 26th or 5th. We played at UCA, played El Dorado, played down there. And I just, man, I had so much fun with that game. And I come home and I told my wife, I said, I cannot stop this. This is what I'm made for. I cannot quit coaching. And she's like, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I'm fine with it. Whatever you want to do. Well, go. And that weekend, we were supposed to go play in Monroe, Louisiana. And my wife is going to have baby Thursday. So I had to miss the trip to Louisiana. We have our baby. Adeline May Glover's born. And I'm out of work Thursday, Friday, and Monday. I go back to work Tuesday because we're playing. And then I started looking, and I'm like, man, I love this. But I don't see my daughter with her eyes open. I leave for work, and she's asleep. I get home from work, and she's asleep. And I'd spend three or four, maybe even five days a week sometimes that I'd get home, and, you know, I may get home and run in early to see her, and Maggie's got her in bed early. You know, like, and I remember thinking, what am I doing? Like, I, my, my oldest daughter, who is my heart, my life, she's meeting me at the door, but I see her for, you know, I may see her one night for, 45 minutes and then the next two nights I don't see her because I'm on the road playing and it was really hitting me that I'm going in there and I'm kissing my girls goodnight and I'm not spending any time and then when I do have time on a Saturday I'm exhausted and it was just so it was like it honestly was like God telling me you've had a good time with this but you need to change something and when I say this I I I know that I had a great impact and good time coaching, and God was in every bit of that. But it's also, I never in my life thought that I would be okay with walking away from coaching because honestly, Greenbrier was going to be where I was going to retire from. Like I, I was at Southside. I love Southside, but I wanted to get out of coaching 12 months out of the year. You know, I didn't want to coach basketball straight into baseball, and I wanted to coach less. But I really didn't have that experience like I thought it was going to be. I still had to do some football. And I was actually just as I was actually busier at Greenbrier and I thought it was going to be less, you know, less time away from the family. And I ended up being busier. So what I thought was going to be a good move for me ended up not being as good a move as I thought it was. And then, man, having kids changed everything for me. Even when I say this, that's what mellowed me out a lot. Like, honestly, and I I started seeing that I was kind of eroding slowly because my care and fire was not the same as it was five years ago. And it, it's really hard to stay that way. It's really hard to like, I mean, I will tell you, and I don't get wrong. I kind of, when I took the job at Greenbrier, it kind of rejuvenated me a little bit because I had something to prove, but I was so tired after our first year. And I actually, I will say this, I worked them. Now it was different, but I worked them from November until basically the first of June harder than I worked y'all. But I had y'all for the year, so it was different. You know, I had y'all in basketball and then straight into baseball. Uh, and I, it was a different deal. But, like, we had 5 a.m. weights four days a week and then would practice right after school. And we'd go, you know, from from 2.30 to 6.30, sometimes to 7.30 or 
I mean, just absolutely, and then have weights at 5 a.m. the next morning, and they're, you know, they're gassed and done, and had a phenomenal year. Is uh, actually, I mean, is unbelievable. The first year we had there, if we hadn't had injuries, we would really, I really believe this. I'm not saying it because it was, we, I had unbelievable talent. But that first year, if we hadn't had injuries at Greenbrier, we'd have probably went down as one of the best, if not the best, high school baseball team in the last 25 years for sure. I mean, we'd have been in right Arkansas? there. Yes. We were, we were number one in the state all year, but we were number eight nationally. And we finished the year 31-5, and five, and we lost three of our top five pitchers. I remember I got with you. Didn't Magnolia beat you? Yeah, Magnolia beat us with, with Goodhart on the mound. Exactly wow. right. You know, Goodhart is playing for the Razorbacks. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's on the mound for him. And when I say that, we but we were you know Milligan who was going to get drafted. He uh, he hurt his shoulder. Didn't tear anything. He just strained his labrum, uh, and so he was shut down. And then the guy that kind of took over for him, our kind of our new number one, uh, he tore his Tommy John in the conference finals, conference semifinals. And uh, and then uh, had another kid that tore his Tommy or strained his Tommy John was out for the rest of the year and we he's pitching against Cabot and so we were kind of like pieced together at the end of the year and don't get me wrong hey Valonia won it that year and they were great they were I'm not not but I'm saying as far as what we had the pieces we had in place it was so good but honestly after that year I was so tired and so exhausted because there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of and I poured everything into it. You think if you'd have won that year, it'd have been a little different? No, I don't. And here's why. This is what I figured out after after y'all. And this is where I said I didn't do a good job coaching in a lot of ways. I figured out in my time, it's not about it's not about rings and winning championships and all that. It's about that process. And if you don't enjoy that process, because there is no justice. I mean, when I when I say this in high school sports, there's not a lot of justice there. Like you look at it, and uh, like I said, we we beat a better team, you know, to win yeah. it in 2014. But we got beat when we were the better team in 2013. And you never, you know, like I said, that year we had the year we had all those injuries at Greenbrier. It was just, you know, and I had and I had stud players, man. I had five Division One players on the field. I mean, it's unbelievable how good we were talent-wise. And I didn't – those were all guys that I – I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that. They're talented. Yeah. And – but honestly, at the end of that year, if we had won it all, I don't think it had changed anything for me because here's the deal. It didn't change how I felt about it because I, I knew I had – I felt like I had done as good a job as I could coaching. Yeah. So I was fulfilled in the fact that I gave it all my, my best effort. But it was a deal where – I was wore out. I mean, I was so tired. I mean, I, I mean, I just don't even know how to describe it. Besides, I was physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted, and it was a lot like it. Honestly, was a lot like that year that we got beat in the finals. That we were so hopped up, and and it's like just this crash. And man, I was so I was just wore down. I was wore down. Yeah. But then in the next year, I was like, okay, I got to find a medium. I, if I'm going to do this for long term, I got to find a medium. And at that time, man, I had high blood pressure. I was taking blood pressure medicine. I mean, I, it's like I can slowly start to see, man, I can't do this forever. So when I started to take a step back about, okay, I'm not going to push as hard, and we're gonna we're gonna work hard, but we're gonna have a little bit different mindset, and they're gonna have to figure some of this out on their own. I kind of took a little bit of a step back because I felt like I did work them too hard. 
then I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like this tightrope walking and I never knew. And that's whenever I started really questioning, man, can I do this for 25 more years? Because I'm exhausted and it's a deal where I get, I feel like I'm missing out on my family's life to chase this thing that I'm doing that I don't feel like there's ever an end. I don't feel like there's an end to this chase. I don't feel like there's an end to this race. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It doesn't matter how you finish. You start the next year. Like, didn't matter if we won a state championship or not. I got tryouts next week. You know, it's like it doesn't change. It doesn't end. So, and that's whenever, like I said, whenever I had made up my mind was basically about March. I made up my mind March or April, and that was really hard. That was really hard because I love my players and I love coaching. And I and I felt terrible because I was there for three years. So I didn't coach those ninth graders their full time. So I, I was leaving them when they had one year left and some of them some of them probably happy I left. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know how it'd be. It's just yeah. Yeah. you know, so there's it, always a few. There's all but it's a deal where it's just I felt bad because I thought, you know, I didn't I did not do as good. But I you know, I felt terrible whenever I left Southside. It was you know, I hadn't, I honestly, I hadn't been back there for years because I, I just loved the people there and I felt so bad. Like I had you know, but I think anybody understands the situation. Yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's, it's just, it's life. Like I said, it's life and it's learning, but yeah. I'm glad that I get to go back in that area now. I get to work the area and see familiar faces. You know, I got a lot of people that I'm now their insurance agent and I coach their kids. You know, I mean, it's a, so it's a, it's a really good thing. Yeah. It's, it's always a thing. thing too with kids, especially, I mean, you do a lot of a lot of maturing and growing. Uh, I don't know if this is like scientifically proven or not, but when when you're like 19, 20, 21, 22 is when you really most people start to figure things out at least a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, those kids they're probably like some of them are probably disappointed you left, you know? Yeah. But then here in you know three, four, five years, they'll be like, okay, I understand. He had a family. He had obligations, Absolutely. stuff like that. So. I mean, it takes a while for you to figure stuff out. And, you know, me and Gary, that's what we were talking about earlier. Uh, we we're like, man, Coach Glover is so hard on us all the time. <laughs> and then two, three, four, five years later, yeah. we're like, we're getting up and going to work. Gary's getting up and going to work at 4 a.m. He's like, okay, he's he teaching yeah. something. So we respected. Well, you know, it's funny the, that Gary, you, know, you probably, I don't even know if you even remember this, but you'd called me. I'd called you. This was about a year and a half ago something like that and i just hey man how are you and visit with you and i said man i just wanted wanted you to know i was checking on you and see everything's going you said coach i just want you to know you did make a difference you know and it's like coach gum had told me when I, whenever I, I was ga and for him he said just remember this there's no quick payoffs if you think that a guy's gonna leave and they're gonna love you and he's wrong he said it's five six years before you hear anything and i thought I didn't, you know, I'm 24. I didn't think anything about that crap. Well, what's that? I don't care. What are you talking about? And, but anyways, then you start seeing that where it's a process, you know, I had guys see, you know, like I said, I just think about some of the guys I've coached. I saw a kid I coached at, at Greenbrier the other day at a golf course. He's working a golf course and I coached him for really just one year. And he said, I just want you to know, coach, I really appreciate how you're always honest with us, how hard you worked us and all this other stuff. And, you know, it was like, I said, well, man, I really appreciate that. You know I mean? It's a deal. But he was saying it because he knew I'd left coaching. So it's a deal where I've had a lot of 
you know, I've had a lot of good experiences from it and it's a deal where people, you know, people are going to make up their own mind about different things. But the truth is, is that the, I didn't like coach gum all the time. I didn't like a lot of my coaches a lot of different times, but you do appreciate them. You know, you appreciate the process later on, you know, you just, you do, you appreciate the process a lot more whenever you're out of it than you do when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting that, cause that's exactly how I felt. Like I would, there were times where I resented you. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure. And like, as, as you get out of high school, cause it, when you're in high school, that's like all that's going on. Like that's all that's really in yeah. your mind for most kids and absolutely. Me, me included. Absolutely. And you get out, uh, in the, in the real world. Cause me and Will, I mean, we moved out as soon as high school was over. We moved yeah. to Conway, got real jobs and went to school. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, you like come across some type of adversity, some form of adversity. Cause you were always really big on, you know, overcome adversity, handle yeah. adversity. And you get that in real life where it's like things aren't going your way or you've either, whether it's your fault, you've shot yourself in the foot or it's just an unfortunate series uh, yeah. of events that life. happens to you. Yeah. yeah. It's like that happens and you, you kind of take yourself back to that moment and then you overcome that. Some time passes and then you, you have enough of those moments and that you kind of realize like, yeah, I got something out of that. So yeah. that's, that's the, I guess that's really kind of the process of, of why, or the reason why it takes so long to get back. Like you kind of have to have some relatable experiences. Absolutely. And, and you some, don't have a lot of those. All you have is somebody pushing you and you're not really, you don't. you have somebody stepping on you and stepping on your toes all the time. And then, then life does the stepping and life does the pushing later on where it's like, golly, this does suck. You yeah. know, this does suck getting up at three o'clock in the morning and knowing I'm supposed to be there and having that responsibility. And, you know, will you go to work every day? How yeah. many days do you want to take off? How many days do I want to take off? Every one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if somebody, if you won the lottery tomorrow, you're probably not going to work. No. But you know what? You got sure to take care of this house and you got to take care of your wife and all that. And that's, it's not easy. It's not an easy process, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, well to, to kind of cap off the, this subject, um, I'm really appreciative for, for, for how you've pushed me. And just like the the value that I've gotten out of this relationship, I hope hope you've gotten some value. <laughs> I'll say this. Well, no, I'll I'll say this, and from both of you guys, and and I can say this about it is amazing to me how there were times when I was really selfish, and I was thinking that I was doing all the giving. You know what I mean? And that's one thing that really hurt me as a coach is I took everything really personal, and I thought, man, I'm because one thing that I did coaching was. I wanted to like coach somebody like I wanted to be coached. Like I wanted somebody in my face pushing me to be better all the time. Like that's what I wanted. Well, I always thought that I was the one doing the work, but the truth is, man, you can sit there and scream and yell and push people all you want to, but if they don't follow a little bit, you're not getting anything done. And I say, I think in my time, because you're still maturing and you're still growing, and I am too, I appreciated y'all a lot less than I should have at the time. I didn't, I did a lot more pushing than I did loving. And I think I got better at that in time. Uh, but I will say, I hope y'all know I love you. And I hope you know that I, that I do want the very best for you. And 
looking through all that stuff and i'm i'm glad that we that you appreciate me but i will say i could have i could have done a better job of expressing that where that could have been a i and i got i think i got better at that i got better at that that uh basically that off relationship that time off the field as a relationship time you know because but it was really hard it was harder with y'all at the small schools because i'm coaching you all the time yeah you know i couldn't it's hard for me to love on you because we're in season all the time. You yeah, know, that's like true. I loved, you know, when we were weightlifting and stuff, I could joke around with the guys. I'd push them hard, but I could joke with them. That's something you were really good at doing. You know, I could, I could really do that. But with y'all, when we're always in season, it was harder to, you know, I mean, we had to be serious on a daily basis from August until June. Yeah. Because it's basketball. And then basketball, and three days later, we're playing our first baseball game. You know, I mean, it's it was a hard process, but yeah, you guys made it easy. And like I said, if uh, the I I, I could have done a better job for sure of loving on y'all while I was pushing, you know. But like I said, I'm glad that there was no permanent damage done. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> no permanent damage for done. Sure. No permanent damage. No permanent babe. damage. So, so to kind of segue into a different topic, so your your wife. Uh, she's got her own fitness facility. Talk a little bit about that. My wife has started something amazing in Conway, uh, and it was all her brainchild, you know, talking about, I mean, I can be realistic with y'all, talking about life. You know, we were in that point when we had our first child when I was at Southside. You know, we Maggie was a counselor. She's making good money, and she's going to, you know, she's going to go right back to work and, you know, she, we have her baby, we have Sophie, and she comes to me and says, Ty, I don't want to go back to work. And talking about real life, you know, we've got home and vehicles, and, you know, everybody knows coaches aren't making a ton of money. Yeah. You know, definitely not making a lot of money. So it's like, all right, what are we going to do? And she wants to, she wants to stay at home. Whatever she's got to do, stay at home. So we start selling stuff. I mean, we start getting rid of our vehicle payments, and we start getting rid of stuff, and, we're trying to trying to make ends meet, and basically we're about five to seven hundred dollars short every month. We had some money in our savings account, but we're like hemorrhaging money every month. So Maggie, I said, and I told her, I said, "Babe, listen, I've been poor my whole life. You know, like I mean, we I don't I've never had a lot of money, so I can do this, but it's going to be a commitment. We got to do it together. Like we got to change the way we spend money. We got to change everything and she said, I'll do whatever we got to do to stay at home with my baby. And I said, all right. So we started that process. Well, about after about five, six months, she comes home. She's like, hey, I got an idea to kind of bridge our money gap. I said, all right. She's like, I'm going to start a thing that I went to down in Dallas when I was visiting my parents. It's called Oh Baby Fitness. I was like, okay, tell me about it. And she's like, well, basically, it's like where moms and new mothers bring their babies and they kind of walk and do stroller stuff together and they do little workouts together. And, and it was, and I was like, okay. I mean, if you think, whatever. I said, that's that's, that's exactly what I was saying. That sounds like garbage to me, but I mean, how much we got to pay? She's like, it's not going to cost anything to start it up really. Well, and my wife has got an infectious personality and she started this and it kind of grew and grew and, Next thing you know, she's getting a pretty good little following. And she goes from, you know, her second or maybe her third or fourth month, she makes a couple hundred dollars. And then she makes about 500 in a month. And then it gets to where she's making a pretty steady deal to bridge our gap 
and it was the Lord providing for us, but she, I mean, she's doing this old baby fitness deal and, you know, she's making $800 a month. Well, that's what we needed. So it bridges that gap. She gets called by Channel 7 out of the blue. She said, hey, we had a mom call in, talk about what you're doing. Would you mind coming on TV and telling us about it? We're thinking this is our big break, you know, like this is going to be huge. Well, uh, she goes on there and and it was good. She actually she went on there and everything went good, but didn't see a big increase. And so, anyways, about a year when Sophie was about a year and a half old, we're living in Damascus. She comes out. She said, "I need to talk to you." I said, "All right." She said, "I want to do something." I said, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to start a gym. I said, no. <laughs> You're crazy. And she said, why do you say that? I said, because you are. You're crazy. We, we're trying to bridge a gap here, and now you're wanting to go get a business loan and build a gym? No, that's ridiculous. We're, that's not happening. We're not doing it. And she's like, will you at least hear me out? I said, I can't hear you out right now. Like, and I was, and here's what I was. Honestly, I'm going to tell you, y'all, listen to me. Y'all need to, you need to remember this. Here's what I was. I was really selfish and I was mad. And here's why. Because we had sold, like I had a nice truck. I had a boat. And we had sold this stuff to like bridge the gap for her to stay home. And now she's wanting to start a business. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. We're, uh, not, we're not jumping into this this unknown getting further in debt so that you can try something as a, you know, on a whim. We're not doing that. I and feel you. Cause it, it's like you had to give up a bunch of stuff. Yes. You had but, to, but you're and, not getting anything in I'm, return. And I'm not getting you're, anything. You're just like taking a chance. That yes. You don't know it's going to work. I feel you. And I'm like, man, I'm not, I've already taken my chance. We're, you're staying at home until you're ready to go back to work. Like, cause we can't do it on just my salary all the time. Well, anyway, she's and and honestly, my wife handled it perfectly because she said, "Okay, not a problem." Where if we'd have gotten an argument, it'd have gotten worse. <laughs> she comes back to me. Actually, I think I went back to her and I said, "Hey, let's. What do you want to talk about this gym deal? Let's talk about this." She's like, "Ty, I think it will be good." I think she said, "Can I tell you about it now? Like, are you at a place where you can listen?" I said, "Yeah, I am." So we're sitting out on our deck, and she said, "I went to a place in Benton, and it's exactly what I want to do with my life." I said, you went to a gym in Benton, okay? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, it's not just a gym in, Clint, in, in Benton. It's completely different. I said, Maggie, and the first thing I said, money sign. I said, where are we going to buy all the equipment? She said, we're not buying equipment. It's group classes. It's group fitness classes. And obviously, we were going to buy some buy equipment, but it's not like buying treadmills. Yeah, and, like you know, heavy we're machinery. Not, we're not buying, yeah, barbell sets and stuff. We're not buying $500,000 worth of of machinery to go in this building for people to come in and scan their card. And she says, when she starts talking to me about it, she says, I want to do a group fitness place that is women only. And I'm thinking, well, that's dumb. That's half your population gone. First thing I think. <laughs> then, and then she starts explaining it to me. And I'm like, I said, Maggie, do you believe in this? Like, do you really, do you really think this will work? Do you think this is what's good for our family? She said, here's what I think. I don't know how it's going to work financially, but I know this. I think it's a way that I think I can make this work. And I think that I will never have to put our kids in daycare. They will be with me all the time because we have childcare at the gym. She said, they will be with me all the time. And it's something I really want to do. I really want to try this. So we started, then we started the process of putting 
you know, putting, putting it on paper. Like, how are we going to do this? What's it going to look like? And <laughs> uh, it's amazing because y'all just remember this. Now, God will take care of you boys. I'm just telling you. We didn't have, I mean, we, I guess we didn't have any money. We don't have any money. We just, how are we going to do this? Well, my father-in-law is like, if it's something you really want to do, I'll help where I can. But I mean, I, he, he's like, I'm not paying for it all, you know. So basically, we took out a we took out a home equity loan because we built our house in Damascus, and we got a equity loan to start the business. And we used that money knowing we don't know how this is going to pay off. And I have never seen anyone so determined. Like y'all think I'm tough, and you think I'm. And I, I wasn't going to say this earlier, but you're talking about you did this 52 days in a row about getting up. So right now, the gym is going to be open for two years in October. And for two years, in that two years, my wife has had another child and had a one, we had a one-year-old. No, maybe it's three years. No, it'll be two years. It's been officially open. But So she had a two-year-old and now has had another kid. And now, still to this day, when we were in Damascus, she was leaving the house at 3.30 in the morning four days a week and then getting home at like nine thirty at night, ten o'clock at night. She did that for about six, seven months until we could get moved to Conway. We moved to Conway and when I say this, we we started out just like, Oh, is this ever gonna work? We don't have a lot of people coming, you know, and she just kept plugging, kept plugging. And now, fast forward to year two, and she still gets up and she works extremely hard. And she's, I mean, she, like I said, four mornings a week, she teaches a 5 a.m. class. So, I mean, she's leaving the house. She's getting up at 345 in the morning, leaving the house 415. And she's down there doing it. But she loves it. And now it is booming. It is like the, for women, it is the place to be in Conway. If you work out, like, she's taking something and turned it. She's taken something from nothing and turned it into something starting from Oh baby fitness to now Glover fitness that has got unbelievable results, unbelievable following. I mean, it's like, I've always said, you know, and there's a lot of, I had a guy come from Duke talk to us about this, about creating an atmosphere that makes like, if you want to create a championship atmosphere in teams and programs, and you got to create like this, atmosphere that everything you do is better than what everybody else does and there's this camaraderie there and I always thought you know we kind of had that attitude at Southside that everything we did is a little better than what our yeah. opponents we had this air about us for and, sure and then at Greenbrier I feel like we had that same air that man we work harder than you we deserve to win my wife has done the same thing with her gym and now when I say that there's competition and I don't mean it like she's just killing everybody's competition I'm saying that like the women at that place have taken on her personality, much like what happens in the coaching player relationship. Like she loves what she does. She loves the people there. And like, she makes she an feel, impact. She, that's what she's, I was going to say, she feels like she's making much more of an impact owning a fitness studio in Conway than she did as a counselor. Like she loves whenever a woman says, I just want to thank you for this gym and how much I've changed my body. I've changed my life. I mean, she gets that stuff all the time, and she has never been more fulfilled. Now, it comes with unbelievable work ethic. Like, I mean, it is extremely hard. Her, what she does is extremely hard. But she is building something that is, like, it's amazing to watch it from the outside in. And this, 
the sisterhood you see there is so much like what I'd say is, you know, like with a good program and stuff. So what she's done is amazing. I'm so proud of her. And like I said, she's done a lot more with the Glover name than I have. I mean, <laughs> right now I, I, she used to, it would bother because, you know, I was coaching back at my hometown when we moved back up here. And all I'm, you know, I'm just known as your wife. Like nobody even knows my name. I said, well, babe, that comes with time, but I'm the one everybody knows. Uh, now. She's the one everybody knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> oh, are you Maggie's husband? What's your name? <laughs> Who are you? you know, like, who am I? Who's this? Are you, like, I actually went to the Who's doctor. Who's this weirdo? That's exactly right. I went, I went to the doctor, and they said, Ty Glover, do you have anything to do with Glover Fitness? I said, no, it's just my name. And she's like, oh, so you don't own it? I said, well, yeah, technically, but I don't ever get to go in there. It's my wife's place. And it's, she's like, oh, my gosh, that is, everybody talks about that. And, I, I mean, this is just a nurse at the doctor, and it's like, I said, yeah, she's done great. It's amazing. But that it is, is it's awesome. really, it, it is really amazing. The age group, you know, we got women from age basically 20 to, you know, probably 60. I don't know that. And it is, it's a really cool atmosphere. You go in there, we had a little class that they, they do very, I've been in there two times for classes and it's because they do like a day where invite your husband to class invite your and so the other day we did a class called spin with the men and it was a spin class on bikes and all this stuff and it was they brought their spouses and it was cool i mean it's it's yeah, really amazing it's a it's a really cool it's thing for the changer. culture like conway too like yes because the culture is is more progressive yeah uh affluent kind of want to do things like that yes and so that's awesome yeah it's, it's completely different like when people think about glover fitness they're like well, what kind of gym is it well it's nothing like a, you know, anytime fitness or a, you know, 365. And I'm not knocking those at all. They got their place. It's, but it's honestly, I would compare it a lot more to like a CrossFit gym. And when I say it, not like the workouts, but like CrossFit people are really into what they do. They're really big into the way they do things and what they do, right? Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, I, I, they're really proud to say they work out and they do CrossFit. Yeah, I got so you. So the women are really proud to say, "I'm proud to work out at Glover Fitness." Like it's a, it's a, it's a mindset and a mentality thing too. It's not just, <clears throat> it's yeah. not just going in and working out because they're doing it as a group. And it's a lot of, I mean, there'll be, I mean, she's had classes of sixty women at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So and she's just doing her thing. Yeah, and, she and loves branding it. herself. Yes, just, and, well, and like I said, it's crazy because we'll be driving through Conway and there'll be four Glover Fitness stickers. You know. And like you know she's got the gf logo and you see it everywhere and it's like it's really cool and it was so funny uh we were in texas i believe where were we at i don't know i can't remember we were actually we were way out of town i, I want to think we were right <laughs> around texarkana and there's a glover fitness sticker and i'm like there's no way that was a, your sticker there's no way and then a woman ended up telling her i believe like yeah i was down there but you know it's all the way down you know all, way out of Conway. you know it's just like we ran into it there so that's awesome so uh, has it gotten to the point like is she teaching all of the classes oh no no we got like 15 instructors okay that's exactly yeah, she she was she still does a lot of teaching but like you know i mean she i say 15 that may not be the racket number but it's like she's got i want to say at least 12 or 13 maybe 18 i don't know yeah. But like when she started, she she had to hi she hired like a group of four or five instructors because she does like sixty classes a week. Wow! So she'll do a class at five a.m., then a class at uh, seven, eight, and nine, and then they'll do a class at four, like four, five, and six time slots. But a lot of times there's two classes going at a time. So 
you know, she's she's pumping out. She physically couldn't do that, but I will say this. She is tough and you know, she worked out until she was eight months and two weeks pregnant. That's and a had a time. had a baby and then was back in the gym three weeks later. Dang. I'm serious. I mean she's a she's tough. Uh she's but it's just it's really cool seeing how it's been such a good thing because honestly, it's been re- I say it's really been hard. I got a fantastic wife, but it's been really hard. We live seven hours from her family, and we live seven minutes from my family. Yeah, you know, I mean that's really difficult. Where's she from? She's from Dallas, Texas, just outside Dallas. of Dallas. Okay. So it's always been she's been inserted into my life, like we're living right. I mean, Greenbrier is not my hometown, but it, Damascus and Greenbrier overlap. Well you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. right there. So, but. Like, this is all familiar territory for me. And, and so it's always been like she's inserted in my life, but I'm just so happy to see that she has something that is hers and it's all hers. Yeah. That's and now really cool. she loves, like, she loves Conway. She loves, she loves the central part of Arkansas. You know, she loves that we can be right in the country, you know, in just a minute. And then she can be in town eating dinner or something and go to her gym. You know, I mean, she loves the fact that where we're at and kind of where we've started our family and you know what I mean? And it's, that's really big when you're married and stuff that it's hard whenever you're displaced from one side, you know what I mean? Like for her, it's really really hard that she's gone for three weeks at a time and stuff like that. So I mean, I say three weeks at a time, like three to four months without seeing her mom and dad. I mean, it's really hard, but now that she's got something that's hers, that's her baby that she started, I mean, I don't know. I would say this. I don't. I don't know what it would cost. I don't know what the gym. Like I don't know what the gym is worth. But I don't know if anybody could pay enough money for her to sell it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, she yeah. is she so. Sell for any she is so proud, excited, like attached to that. What she's done there that it's like there's no monetary value really. I mean, yeah. obviously there that's probably her, is. If somebody came and said, life. "We'll give you a hundred million dollars," I would say, "Yeah, it's sold. We'll start another." <laughs> like, yeah. The, but like. But what you know what I'm getting at, like for her, she's so into it. She is she's the only thing she's into more than Glover Fitness is uh her savior and her babies. Yeah, and her I'm babies. down on that list behind Glover Fitness and I'm okay with that. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but her uh her faith and her her kids and then Glover Fitness is it's awesome. It's really good. That's so. awesome. I'm I'm I'm, I'm- Proud of it's her. cool. I mean, it I'm is. Proud it's proud of that story. <laughs> no, it is. It's really. It's amazing. It's. I. I could. It is. It is really amazing. Really, what she's done is amazing. I can't. That's. Crazy. I can't say it any say like I can't say it any other way than that because it was totally a leap of faith. And every. I mean, we know nothing about owning a business. Nothing. And she's was the head instructor, the head cleaner, the head bookkeeper, the head. You know, had to, you know, all these systems that we have, you know, she's ordering all the merchandise, doing it all, ordering all the equipment, all the dumbbells, all the, you know, all that stuff. And I'm hanging the shelves. I'm building the shelves like our desk I built. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy how we started it from nothing. And now like it's a, it's a really popular thing in Conway, especially in, in yeah. the, the females. So go check it out. If you haven't, if you're a Absolutely. listener and you're in the area, go yeah, check, check it, it out. out. Yeah. Take it back to the coaching thing. You are the star player. Now you're the role player, baby. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was actually, now she's star of the show. I've actually learned that. Going to the big league. That's exactly right. I've learned that. Cause I went from, 
I learned that through baseball because I went from being a really good player to being a really sucky player to being a role player. So I've kind of been on all sides of that. So yeah. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. But, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get with her at some point on on how she you know did that because I I have vi- a vision of something similar to to a fitness like uh, like dietetic type thing in the future. I definitely... You know, it's funny you say that because her sister's a dietitian. Really? Yeah, and she actually they had actually one of the things they would do with some of their challenges is is she would hire her sister to do specialized meal plans for for people and do their you know talk to them about what they need to be eating what they what are you trying to do you're trying to build muscle are you trying to lose weight and all this other stuff and so uh kelly her sister would actually consult her and consult a lot of her uh, a lot of her client or you know her customers in that phase and now it's like man she's as busy as she wants to be you know if she wants to she can do a you know, a little blog or something and kind of talk to him and she'll tag it. And then girls from Glare fitness, read it all. You know, it's, it's funny how all that stuff, the fitness side and you know, the, the diet part of it, what you eat, it's yeah. all overlapping. You can't outwork a bad diet, you exactly. know, I mean, it's all the same. It's all the same stuff and it's discipline. It's all about discipline. Yeah. So how's your, how's your exercise life? Look? Mine. That's what, I, that's what I will say. This, that is one thing that I will say that I'm so glad I took this job. I've been working out since I took this job the last three months. I've been working out four to five days a week. I got a man. I get in there, I work out hard, and I feel the best. I'm like, I think I'm fixing to be off my blood pressure medicine. That's awesome. So, That's what I'm talking I mean, about. It really, it's like when I say that, it's not. It's not like every you know everything's perfect now mm-hmm. because, but I still got stress in my life, obviously. Definitely. But I mean, it's a deal where I got a new lease on life in a lot of ways. Like when I get home, if I don't get up and work out before I go to work, I'll work out when I get home. Like I'm not exhausted when I get home. I don't get home. You know, I may have like, for example, I may have an appointment at four o'clock and then an appointment at six o'clock and not get home till eight. But then I'll get up in the morning at six thirty and work out before I go into work and you know, and I feel great. It's I feel, essential, man. It is it's I, essential to have some type of physical just you know activity in your life. You it my my wife will say, you know, I will say my wife very rarely gets sick and she is very productive, very, very productive. I mean, she will just work and work and work. But when I say she's very productive, I'm saying that because she's always worked out. I noticed when I got lazier was whenever my physical activity level would go down. Like the more you lay around, the more you want to lay around, the more, the lazier you are, the lazier you want to be, the more active you are, the more active you want to be. Yeah. Uh, and I figured out it's like, even though I may be tired at five in the morning or I may not feel like going and running or, you know, lifting and doing all that stuff. If I will do it, I feel a whole lot better for that day or the next day even, you know? Uh, so, and I've actually missed, this is the first time I've missed multiple days in probably two and a half months because I had, we had family come in yesterday and I had, I've still got, like I said, my wife leaves early. So I got my daughter at four o'clock in the morning, but yeah, it is. It's going You'd be proud of me, Gary. You'd that's pr- that's awesome. How's the uh, what's your diet philosophy looking like? Well, that is a little different story. <laughs> yeah, let's but hear I, it. when I say this though, I tell you what. One thing we do, my wife gets what we eat for lunch a ton: Lean Feast and Conway. Is it right there over there by Wendy's? Right, like yeah, right, right over there by Wendy's and yeah. Fuji's area. And she'll go and get that stuff. So we've been eating that a lot for lunch, uh, and that's really about all we do for lunch stuff dinners it all depends how uh, is their how's their product is it pretty good you know what it's extremely healthy there it depends on what you get though when i say this 
But I think the whole diet, the whole, when I say diet, I'm not talking about being on a diet. I'm talking about your diet. I think it's all about this. If you have to, you have to got to change your mind and I'm saying this, I still need to lose about 20 pounds, but if you will change your mind on don't eat for enjoyment, but eat to live, it changes everything. So like that lean feast food, it's good tasting food. It's fine, but it gets a little bland at times if you eat it over and over and over again. But you know what? It's exactly what you need. It's not, may not be exactly, you know, fried chicken tastes better than yeah. grilled chicken every day. I really like how you put that. Uh, eat, Don't eat for enjoyment, eat to live. Yeah, it's most your fuel. Of, yeah, most of the time, well, most of the time you hear people say, like, don't eat for enjoyment, eat for, you know, strictly nourishment. Yeah. I like how you say live, though, because, like, when you do have that opportunity to, to like, enjoy a special occasion whether it's a holiday or somebody's birthday or something like live a little yeah, you know what i'm saying that, do that so uh do that but, but don't have that occasion four days a week exactly it's like I mean, it's that simple it's it's really easy to trick yourself yes. into having an occasion over and over and i'll over. tell you we watched this deal the other day and it's like uh we watched this deal the other day and maggie's they did a sugar detox at her gym and it's amazing how much sugar there is in food if processed stuff. And we'll watch this little documentary on it. And it's like, if you'll just kind of be aware of what you're putting in your body. And I'm saying this again, I've, I've got a long ways to go on this, but like, if you'll be aware of what you're putting in your body and look at it and say, does that really make sense? You know, I got a deal today on some Facebook feed and it said there is equivalent of like six donuts in a Coke. Yeah, that's insane. That I mean, is. think about that's that. A lot of sugar, though. Think about that. Think about how much sugar that is. Well, that's twenty a ounce coke sugar. is like six and a half donuts. I mean, really? What? That's insane. I mean, it is. Insane. It, but so, but I mean, you think about that. So why would you ever drink that? Yeah, and I say this. Man, I took my daughter to watch Lion King, and we got this deal, and we go get it. And she don't ever have cokes. My daughter's never had a coke in her life. But like, I mean, I'm talking obviously the the four year old, not the yeah. four month old. Yeah. Okay. But like. Uh, we had this deal and we go, she, we get popcorn and I get a Coke. And I remember thinking, why am I drinking this? Like, yeah, it tastes good, but this is terrible for me. It's going to make you feel like crap. It's going to make me feel terrible. And I might have to drink five bottles of water to combat it. You know, like, but it is, it's a, it's a process. Once you get to to feeling good, once you get to feeling good. And and honestly, it kind of takes a moment of you kind of going back into eating bad again. Cause it's like, you feel good. You feel good. You kind of get reminded like, Oh wait, this is how I feel. My wife is, my wife can paint that to a T because what she does, she will have something bad. And she said, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. I'm not, I don't know why I ever put that in my body. And I'm like, it's good. What do you mean? You know, like, (laughs) but she doesn't see it like that. Like if she eats something that's greasy, Mm-mm. she won't touch it again for a month you know yeah. I mean, it's like she knows that's not what her body needs and I, I was in that stage you know i don't i was really healthy and fit my you know by between my junior and senior year of college like i really got into working out big time and i got into i ate on a schedule i ate the same thing at the same times and i didn't eat for taste I just ate. He's a robot. I did. I did. I, I literally, I'd have like, I'd have egg whites in the morning with a bagel and then I'd have a protein shake at 10 o'clock and then I'd have a lunch that was like a sandwich or something that was simple, but I was working out two and a half hours a day and then running in the afternoons and doing all that stuff. 
And I completely transformed my body and is like, man, and I felt, but you know what is crazy? I felt like I was invincible. I felt like I could do anything. I could run, <laughs> but no, I mean, the way yeah. you feel like we could, we'd go on a hiking trip or something and I could do anything. You know, I felt like just, I could do anything. I was strong in the weight room. And then all of a sudden you just slowly let yourself go and you get in this mode of eating all this other stuff and you, man, you look up. And then a year or two's gone by, and then your body's completely different than it was before, and it's not in a good way, you know. I mean, yeah. it's just a, it's a, it's a process, and it's a, it's it takes a ton of discipline. Yeah, a ton of discipline. There's got to be a lot of planning. I mean, that's what I figured out in in Arkansas. If you want anything fast and fast food, it's probably not healthy, yeah. with the exception of maybe some Chick Fil A salads and stuff like that. But like. There's a lot of food that you can grab really quickly and cheaply that's very bad for you. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the hard oh, part. Oh, it's so bad. the salads, I'm about about doing that. I'll go get a nice salad. And it's and coated then, with cheese and ranch. And, and then all. what happens? I get a big old packet of ranch. Yeah. <laughs> and you completely contaminate top. it. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. No, that's that's the backwards thing about it, man. We've got the the bad food that's really cheap and accessible. And then you've got the good food that's more expensive and, and, lot, yeah, and lots it takes more, more preparation. And it's a lot more preparation. That's exactly right. It's really now for us, it's not about the cost as much as it is just, man, you want to, you want to eat healthy. You got to cook it healthy. You got to make it healthy. Like you don't just, exactly. you don't just go get a, uh, you know, a grilled chicken breast off of the, I mean, it's not any good. It's dried out and it's terrible. See, yeah. our, our food system, our food system is wholesale for, yes. for the most part. And, and really what's going to have to happen, this will be a dramatic shift that will not happen overnight, but it's just the, the food is going to have to be more local. Like yeah. it's going to have to, it's going to have to be more local. Absolutely. Which poses a problem for the cities. Yes. Because they have to have, wholesale. they have to have wholesale food because they're not getting local. But exactly. you know, it's, it's funny you say that there's actually a big trend going, you know, I don't know if you, have y'all been to wonder house in Conway? Uh-uh. What is that? Ger- oh, it's phenomenal. German food there in downtown Conway, right up from my wife's gym. But anyways, it's, uh, it's phenomenal food. And you know where they get all their food? Huh. All their protein comes from rabbit, rabbit Ridge Farms. Rabbit Ridge Farms. Well, listen, Zach Mayhan's dad, Alan. Rabbit Ridge Farms, they're supplying a lot of restaurants in Little Rock, I knew Conway. That. I knew and that. here's the deal. It's grown right there. Grass it's fed, phenomenal. Baby. It's it phenomenal. Is. It's great. You know, uh, y'all, y'all know Greg Bradford, they're doing it on a smaller scale than, than Alan Mahan. Greg, he was the girls coach at Southside. Oh, I know you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they're doing it on a, little, on a smaller scale, obviously, but they've got two stores that they provide like eggs and chicken for in Little Rock. Like that. this farm-to-table thing is really getting big. and what. What Alan and them have done over there at Rabbit Ridge Farms is amazing. Oh, I mean, no I grew up over there as a kid running around with his nephew, and, like, it's absolutely amazing how, you know, they've taken somewhere in the middle of rural Arkansas, and now UCA's football team was up there eating with them. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not their football team. Their coaching staff went on a coach's retreat, stayed up there at Rabbit Ridge Farms, and got fed by them. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. They had their – UCA had their – uh uh finance department up there you know i mean they're going to rabbit ridge arkansas yeah that doesn't make any sense but there it is there's there's value man especially in the area uh which don't want to go off on a tangent on this because i talk about this a lot but in the area that because you're working at clinton now right yeah yeah that area has so much value it's right on the lake there's so much there's so much there to be marketed to and 
for for very uh, sustainable business yes. to be had in Clinton, Arkansas, but it is just not happening. It's not there. Yeah, it's you're right. And it's, well, it's, a deal. it's funny, but you know what? It's just what I think is going to happen. If you look at what's happened with Conway, you know, when I was when I was young, Conway population sign said, you know, 20-something thousand. Well, now it's over 60,000. Well, look at what's happened to Greenbrier. Greenbrier, when Terry May started there, was a little double-A school. They played in the same conference as Mount Vernon and stuff like that. Yeah. And now it's they're the second highest classification school, and Conway is moving to Greenbrier. Everybody's getting out of Conway type deal. And don't get me wrong when I say they're getting out of Conway. They're, they're moving There's out. There's a lot of Wooster, people coming to Conway, suburb. too. Wooster area is growing. This area is all growing. Well, what do you think is going to happen in 15 years? Yeah. Keep moving on down the line, baby. I, I, and I really do think this. I think it's going to keep going up because I had a guy that I talked to the other day. He's bought a he bought some land and and I said where'd you buy your land at I bought a land in a little cabin in Damascus. So really why'd you why'd you buy? He said well you just can't hardly afford land in Greenbrier anymore. Well and what he's saying is right. It's like no wrong. It's still high. I mean it's high everywhere. But like the what if you look at what happened in Conway? It's gotten congested. It's growing and it's awesome town. It's awesome little town. But like people want to be in Conway and want to be in town. So there's a ton of people that will. They'll live right there, but then you've got the other population that don't want to be sitting on top of somebody. Yeah. They don't want to be living right in a tiny subdivision. And here's what happens. It's like Bentonville, Fayetteville, Rogers, and all that stuff. What happens is when a place expands like that to, to this, then you start having it to where, okay, if you want to live in a certain area, you got to make a certain amount of money. Yeah, that's true. You know, like you take Bentonville. Bentonville's property tax is a whole lot different than Springdale. Yeah, it's truth. They're right beside each other, but it's if you want to live in a certain area, then you got to make a certain amount of money. Like right now, if you want to, if you want to have a home on three acres in Greenbrier, it's not really cheap, right? No, for sure. Now, <laughs> how cheap? How cheap was that twenty five years ago? Whole lot different than it is now, right? Yeah. So and I think I really think what's going to end up happening is that you're going to take and it's going to move up the line a little bit. And you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a really nice subdivision on the way to Damascus on the left. If you're leaving, going through Greenbrier, I don't, I think it's a, I forgot something. I want to say something Ridge, like Cattern Ridge Road or something like that. It's not the, it's not the one on the Cattern Flats. It's north. If you go from right here and you go north, uh, it's up there on the left, right by the Rock Crusher plant before you get to the oh yeah i know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about west republican yes west republican that's exactly right there's a nice subdivision out there well it's expanding that way i mean it's when i say subdivision it's homes on three acres well they could afford that there and you can get a a nicer home there and be a little away from town well i think that's going to happen over the next yeah. i think the, i think over the next 20 to 30 years that you know, I'm not saying that Damascus is going to be a metropolis and Clinton's going to be, you know, Conway. <laughs> the but I'm saying, Rabbit Ridge. But what I'm saying is I think there's going to be a, a, a slow movement of people, just like what's happened with Greenbrier, with Conway. I mean, Conway's more than doubled in the last 20-something years. Greenbrier is more than doubled, you know, as far as, and like I said, the population is not crazy, but like the school and... People bringing, you know, I yeah, think there's a, the central like hub. It's yes, become a hub. Yes. And I can definitely see where, you know, Clinton and Clinton and, you know, Southside are kind of in that line to 
be moving up. Yeah, you know, be moving they get, up. They that got way. that new highway that that's going through that that they're doing. Once all that's done, it'll look really nice. Yes. The, there's so much opportunity for business up there. Like yeah. you look at look at the other side of the lake, Heber Springs. Man, they yeah. they they market their stuff. Well, and it, well, they here's do the deal. well. And over I think there. I think a lot of that has to do with too is like it's just a time thing and getting getting things in the right places. And what I say it's it's just it's funny. I just think that it's going to be a deal where there will be one or two things and a good business gets put in somewhere, but then there's some people that follow it. You know I mean? You literally think about it and nobody really even thinks about these more. But when I was your age, the thought of a restaurant being in Damascus, Arkansas was ludicrous. Really? Yes. Wow. Now that's what I, we got a Mexican food place that people come from. People come from Conway or we have friends in Wooster. We were talking to the other day. He's like our favorite Mexican food place is Amigos Locos. It's a great place. It is a good place it to eat. Good. But my point is this. The thought of a rest, an actual just restaurant, you know, being only a restaurant in Damascus, Arkansas, when I was 15 years old, oh, no way. Snappy's owned the night. That's it. <laughs> Snappy owned everything. said you got Snappy's chicken or you went on to Clinton. And you got yeah. a Sonic Burger and that's it. You know, I mean, but I mean, wow. as long as you think about it, that's... You is uh, even though you you know I know you're saying you know Clinton's just not but you look compared to what there was there when I was fifteen sixteen years old. There's a tractor supply right on sixty five. There's a Mexican food place. There's a McDonald's. There's a Taco Bell. There's a Huddle House. Yeah, you know they're actually I mean? there's getting a, subway. a new restaurant too. There's like a successful steakhouse up in Leslie. Yeah, and they're expanding. They're going to put one in Clinton. So cool. things like that need to happen. Yes, and when it does, like I said, I think there's going to be that. You know, like I said, you're going to have stuff that doesn't work. Obviously, there's going to be things that fall short, and you got to get. But it's a deal where uh, I do think that I do think there's going to be an expansion. And like I said, I may be way wrong, but I it's kind of odd. I think that in 30 years you could have a conversation that's completely different i may be right yeah way, i may be way so. off on that i, I really be, hope so well i don't i hope it, i want to have the country man i don't want it to be all city well i mean i, I would like for the economy to be a little bit better around there well, where you can yeah, make some but money yes yes but what i'm saying is this is that the problem with that is too you do lose some of the stuff about home that you like you do you like the fact that you can look out and not be sitting right beside a neighbor or, you know you like do. the fact that you can look out and see animals and have a place that's 30 acres or that's something true. like that and, and in saying that 30 years from now the way that we do things as far as taking into consideration the sustainability yep. of our environment is going to be different too i, I agree because it's right. just there's, there's more, changes coming more and more people are becoming more and more conscious about yes i agree what we're doing to the land i agree man we could get we could get on this land yeah this land is your land, yeah. <laughs> land. will you been quiet over there you got anything I'll for coach soaking it in what do, what, do I, what do i got on the list hang on a second we've been hey we've been plowing right along let's see oh, we got a two-piece going on we got a two-piece <laughs> we got a two hour two hours and five minutes no i got everything on the list i had yeah that's awesome, man. I I didn't expect you to talk that extensively about Maggie's uh, gym, though. That's that's yeah, really really. I will cool. tell you right now. I could. It is amazing. I'm I mean, not even like kidding. I said, if I get on, it is. It's. If I just wish that it's kind of like and like I said, we're so far from from Maggie's always wanting to improve stuff, just like anything. But it's like 
it's amazing to see something that was absolutely nothing there because, you know, just the process of finding the building. You know, we looked and looked and scoured to find the right building to rent. And then this one opened up and she said, this is it. I know it. It's perfect. And it was. It was like the perfect feel, the perfect look. You know, I mean, it's just. Where is it at? It's downtown? Downtown. If you, right you by know, Kings, isn't it? Uh, Conda Kings. I don't know what Kings, Kings Pasta Grill. Oh yeah, Pasta Grill. Yeah, yeah. It's right yeah. Right there. Front Street. Know, front. It's right on Front Street. Yeah. If you go, if you go on Front Street uh, and go to like Hendricks on Front Street, you'll pass it. And see so is it GF. like? Is it got the feel of like the glass window in the front? It's got you glass can see windows, it. brick, and you you get you can see in it, and it's like a. I mean, it's she's got the inside painted up with GF logo and little slogans. And, you know, we put all that rubber flooring down by hand, you know I mean? That was, we, yeah. we did all that. So, I mean, we got a lot of, we got a lot in there, but that's cool. When you own your own business, you think about the little things like that. Yeah, and even, I bet when you go into like smaller businesses now, you're like, man, like that. Somebody, I tell you, somebody I, put in work. To I'll tell you what this. I will say. I have a new appreciation for any business owner, any, any business owner, and I think about restaurants and stuff like that all the time. Y'all, it is it is unbelievable the work that it takes to coordinate, you know, just workers. You know, just, I mean, you go into a little, say, like, we like Tzatziki's, that restaurant. Okay? Oh, yeah. You go down there, and there's always so two people cooking, three or four servers, two or two people taking orders. You know, there's always seven, eight. You know how much work it is to schedule out workers for a full day? Yeah, for a full day for a week, and then do it for a month. Yeah, how much work that tough. is to to set them all up? Okay, you're gonna work. Then, because here's what's gonna happen: I can't work this day. I got a doctor appointment. I can't do this. And when I say that, we got great instructors. I'm not, but like just the appreciation for what goes into a business and a small business, even more so because it's like such an investment of time. First, it's not. Yeah, like we don't have the capital to just throw money at it and fix it. You know, yeah. it's like you got to figure this out on a very small budget. You so know. how do y'all how do y'all do the scheduling? Is that kind of? I mean, Maggie does it all. I don't do anything. It. I don't touch anything. She does everything with yeah. the business. Everything. Yeah. So, uh, but she does it where basically she sets it up a month in advance. She sets it all up, sends it out for approval. She gets it back, redoes it, sends it out for approval again, gets it back, redoes it. So she'll do a scheduling probably yeah. three to four times. I, I mean, I'm guessing, but uh, but you know we've got childcare, so we've got childcare workers. We got desk workers, we got instructors, and we've got to have people there. So the child care worker, I mean, that's we may go in there and we may have we may have thirty, probably twenty five kids at a time. Yeah. And you gotta have you gotta have anywhere from three to four child workers or five, six for that, you know? Yeah, yeah for real. I mean, that's a lot. That's a hard. Lot of kids. Twenty five <laughs> kids running around. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you got little any and I mean anywhere from infant to a five year old, six year old in there. So Dang. that's a lot. It's a lot, but yeah. she does great with it. Like I said, she's got seriously. It out. I, I mean, I'm, I've got two years of schooling to go before I get licensed to do what I want to do. But uh, I'd like to, I'd like to talk with her about that. She's a good one to talk to. Yeah, I'd she like is. to talk with because I, I've, I've got that <laughs> entrepreneur drive. Like I'll tell you that. what. There's a, there's a ton of work with it, but there's also a ton of reward. You know, she's, I think she's been on the news three times. Yeah, love her fitness now. I mean, she's doing what she likes to do. Yeah, and yeah it is. It's it's like so, so. What's your secret? There's no secret. She works extremely hard at it, and you know, I mean, it's not like it's not like she's born from this weightlifting family or something that taught her all this stuff. I mean, she's learning it. She's learning, you know, and she's certified and all that. She's a certified spin instructor, certified in all these different things. I mean, she just she's done it. 
all on her own, every bit of it. Yeah. So. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's That's good. awesome. Well, then, uh, one thing that we, uh, we really like to ask, you know, everybody before they come off the podcast, uh, if, if one of our listeners never heard your voice again, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to leave them with? Uh, I guess I would say this, that there's not going to be anything that comes up in your life that's worth having. That's not going to be difficult. Like when I say that, and I'd say this to y'all to, but you know what? Marriage is not easy. It takes discipline. And it takes work. Running a business is not easy. It takes discipline and it takes work. Being a parent takes discipline and it takes work. Changing careers when all you've known is that career is terrifying. Starting something new that you're completely uncertain of is terrifying. But you know what? It's still about discipline and work. And with that, I think if you have discipline and you have some work and you have some care in your life and you care about other people, I really still believe this with every bit of me. I believe you can do anything that you want to do. Now, when I say that, I don't think I can go be the president tomorrow because I don't think that I'm blessed with that ability tomorrow. But what I'm saying is that if you really want something bad enough, that if you will put your mind to it enough and be disciplined and work hard at it and avoid the, the negativity around you and just go attack it, what's the worst you're going to do? Know that you couldn't do it. You know, what's the worst? You, you failed. So what? Go try something else with discipline and work ethic. And like I said, I just think, I just think a lot of times that uh, for anybody out there, if you can get a good piece of advice, I'm only, I'm 35 years old with two kids and married, but I've been married 10 years. I got a phenomenal wife and a phenomenal family. And I'm starting a new career when a lot of people thought I was crazy. And a lot of people thought that, you know, oh, they must, they must be having issues. They must, you know, I had all kinds of whispers about what all was going on and a lot of rumors, but here's the truth. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what people are saying about it. I don't care. I'm going to go to bed at night and I'm going to be the only one I got to satisfy myself in the mirror and my Lord and Savior. And that's it. Everything after that, you know, people that put you on a pedestal will be the first ones to knock you off of it. You know, so make sure that you're, you're attacking life with some work ethic and some discipline. And man, don't be afraid to make mistakes along the way because that'll That'll be the thing that propels you to do. Like I said, you know what? Here's what may happen. Five years from now, guess what? This may have been a mistake. This is what I ultimately for me, when I say it may have been a mistake, me changing careers may have been a mistake. So what? Guess what? I can go back to coaching tomorrow. I can get a coaching job tomorrow. All right? But if I didn't take this job and I didn't change this career and I didn't say, you know what? What would happen five years from now then? If I knew that I should have, and I can't go backwards, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I'm attacking. That's the way I'm looking at stuff. And I hope that if, you know, any, like I said, anybody listen to this and I hope for y'all, cause I'm treating this like I'm just talking to you two that don't be afraid to make mistakes in life. But with that, I mean, always do the right thing, be moral young men, but don't be afraid to make a mistake in, Hey, so what I chose, chose the wrong career. So what I did this, so what I did that, like, don't let that keep you from doing something the next time, you know, because like I said, I go back to that 
that deal about the most successful business owners. Like I said, Maggie, her first actual business was Oh Baby Fitness. And it looked like it was going to be great, but it was just kind of, you know, and it was good for what it was. She did great, but it's like, I need to do, I need to go bigger. And then we were scared to death. And now, man, it's amazing what she's doing. And so don't be afraid to fail because if we'd have used any common sense, we would have not opened that business and I would not be working in the insurance field. And, you know, I really think, honestly, I really think that we are making decisions that the Lord put in front of us that we've been guided in. And I'm just blessed and so thankful that we have the opportunity to live in a country that we get to do that. So yeah. make mistakes. Any, any growth, any real growth is going to have some, some uncomfortable moments. Absolutely. Some fear. And, and y'all say this, like I said, you talk about uncomfortable. I've had some, you know, I've always been really kind of proud of what I've done for a living, really proud of the fact that I was a coach. And, and then when you start calling people and saying, like when I've called, called people up and said, Hey, let me talk to you about your insurance or, and then they won't answer your phone calls again. It's like, that sucks. Yeah. They would answer my phone call when I was a coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they'd answer it, their phone call when I'm, they'd answer my phone call if I was coaching. But now that they, whenever the, oh, he's trying to sell me something. I'm like, and you know, there's some, there's some truth to it, but it's like, you know, I'm not going to let that affect me yeah. for the next phone call I make. Exactly. I'm going to keep on plugging. And then, you know what? It's about, because a lot of times those people you may talk to and it may be no, but it's for right now. And then, I mean, say, so, you know what? I want to give Glover a shot. Let's see what he can do. You know? Yeah. It's just how it's life. That's what it is. For so sure. But I get down with that, baby. Make mistakes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Make plenty of them. That's what Will, all that, that what Will took from it. Make mistakes. I'm going to screw up the rest of my life. <laughs> no, I know better. Wow. But no, man, thanks for coming on. We really, really enjoyed hey, talking to you. I'll tell you what. I thank y'all. I'm, like I said, it's my first podcast, but I really just wanted to come see y'all and visit with you. And anything I can do, man, I love y'all. Y'all know that. And I'm just, it's good to visit with old friends of like mine. Yeah, I can, no I can say I can say friends now since we're not that's yeah. players. We're so grown. We're all bros. No, <laughs> yeah, I remember there was one time in Centerfield after playing a game, he was like, we're not friends. We're not friends. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I definitely remember that. I, I remember that. I ain't no. your dang friend. We can be friends when you graduate. That's true. Uh, that's exactly right. And now we're sitting here doing a podcast in Will's new house. How about that? How that's about that? awesome. So that's awesome. Anyways. That's a cool thing, man. Being being a mentor, I bet you you make a lot of like just really long, like deep relations with. I, I will say this: I have definitely. That's the thing that when what you said before we started this little podcast deal, and what my wife said was. You know, I, cause I, I mean, I was torn up, cried a lot in the last year about changing careers. And Maggie's like, Ty, you keep acting like that. You're not going to have what you've already done. She's like, do you think your relationships with your former players are done because you quit coaching? And I'm like, they're not, they're, they're going to see me different. You know, I'm just trying to talk. And she's like, why do you say that? Nobody's going to, she said, the truth is this. Nobody really cares what you do for a living. <laughs> yeah. Except for me and you and your kids. That's really it. Nobody else cares. People are going to have an opinion of you, and they're going to have an opinion of you as a former coach or you as how they knew you, and that's it. It's like, why are you worried about that? And I, but it, like I said, she's a lot smarter than I am, and it was a lot more logical coming out of her mouth. So, like I said, that's why you have a helpmate, and that's why the Lord intended for that. So, yeah. 
when I'm not thinking clearly about something, she is. Yeah. And then when she's worried about something with the gym, babe, that's not a big deal. You're, you're overreacting. Not a big thing. <laughs> and she's like, you think so? Yeah, I, I know so. You're, I wouldn't think another thing about it. I wouldn't even waste another minute of thought on it, you know, but that's, that's why, I mean, that's a helpmate. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it's about. So well, that's but. awesome. Well, man, we're going to shut it down. We're going to shut, shut down. it down. Like, we're, what is two hours and 20 minutes? Wow. Impressive. Sounds we, like we, a, an old uh, day after a loss to me. Two hours. Talk, talk to you guys and chew you out for two hours and send you home. It's one thing Coach Glover's always been a bit long winded. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I know Will didn't do too much talking. I definitely didn't do too much talking. Yeah, yeah, That's the point, baby. Yeah, yeah we, right. we like to hear hear you speak your mind. That's yeah. why we have guests on. So but you need to go listen to some. We've had like Josh Payne. We've had him on. We've had uh, Paxton on. Really? We've had Zach Mahan. Yeah. We had Kate Sawyer on. Kate Sawyer's was a great one. He's, he's a funny dude. No, Kate's really funny. Kate's got a really good sense of humor, and he's got that personality. I think Kate will be good at whatever he does. You know, he's got that personality. Yeah, for sure. He's a people person, and whatever he ends up doing, he's going to be Man, successful. You know, he's with a it. heck of a salesman. Oh, I, he. You know, he was telling me that I talked to him the other day, and he's. You know, he said I was selling cars, and I actually really liked it, and I was pretty good at it, and I was like, man. I, I don't doubt that a bit. He's I think thought, be, he's thought about doing a selling mossy oak properties. Yeah, I think he could be good at. That. I think he would I do. do. I think he'd be good at. A lot. I think he'd be. I really. I think Kate will be good at whatever he decides to do, as long as he's doing something yeah, social. Exactly. As long as he's doing something where he's interacting with other people, because he can. He can make that connection. He's really polite. He's got the. I mean, he does. He's For got sure. That, he's got. Go that go check go check some of them out. I think you. I think you'd really like to hear what some of, some of those guys have to say. You might uh, learn something about somebody. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's right. That's what we say. This just about every every episode towards the end. But that is one of the greatest things about this podcast that we've gotten out of it. This is our 36th episode. Yeah. You're probably like our 12th, 15th guest. Something yeah, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Uh, and we've learned, like me and Will have learned a lot about each other back when we were kind of doing more solo podcasts and just yeah. me and him. But bringing people on, man, like we've literally made an excuse that we get to meet with our friends and conversate, which you don't, I mean, think about how often you sit down with the intention of just conversating. But I will somebody. say one thing I always, whenever you're talking about podcasts, I'm like, what is this? I don't know what a podcast is. I don't listen to that. But you know what? I'll say this. When's the last time, besides something like this, that you sat down and you didn't have a phone in front of you, texting or looking at something else and doing other things and social media and all that, exactly. and just talked? You know, and I will say that is something that needs to happen more. Man, he's set by a campfire or on a porch and just visit. Definitely, that's, that's know? kind of that's one of the things that is just just like sneakily just stopped happening in society, and that yeah. definitely needs to happen. Yes, I agree, one hundred percent. So, so that's what we. I've like enjoyed about it though, this. guys. I mean, it. I've enjoyed it with you guys. I enjoy visiting with you, and it's just you know it is. It's cool to see y'all as adults. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's weird. I mean, no, it, what? <laughs> like, weird, it's not man. weird at all. It's it's <laughs> it's it's just cool to see the evolution of things. Like no doubt, you know, we've had the other side of it of me being the 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 mean coach or whatever, yeah. and be the hard on you, and now to be able to come into your house and set at your place and y'all you know we just yeah. talk like equals not well, the first th memory i have it. of you is like i mean that was my first year at Southside, and i remember he, you came and you talked to the players and the parents 
And uh, it was it was exciting, at least for me, because it was like new coach, like a new yeah. beginning, yeah. everything. And then like that little ninth grade kid that was sitting there listening to you. Now I'm this 23 year old <laughs> talking 23 to year you, old talking about the cool thing about trying to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, really, that's really a different different take completely. That's yeah. awesome. It is. It's really really good. So. Well, anyways, we'll we'll shut her down. You can find me on Instagram at Gary the Great ninety six, and on Snapchat at Gary G A I R Y. And you can find me on Instagram at Will underscore Pennington zero zero, and on Twitter at the Scavenger twenty three. Coach Clover, you got any social media handles? He does. I don't know what y'all just said. He's 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 <laughs> this is this is as this is as high tech as I get right here. I've never listened to a podcast. I've never. We'll show yeah, you how to we'll have show you how to access it. Okay, yeah, show me how to do that. A lot of people, yeah, you can do something a lot of people haven't. Never listened to one, but you've been on one. <laughs> how about that? There you go. I've never listened to one, but I've been on one. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, good deal, guys. Well, anyways, I guess with all that being said, Gary out later. later.